<clears throat> yeah, so I might need to do a battery change mid-show. Alrighty. So I got my uh, my garbage uh, backup batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to uh, charge my main batteries today, so I got home at four. Yeah. Got those bad boys in there. Uh, they're still charging, so I take. I think it's three to one. Mm, okay. Every hour you get, you need to give it three. So they're two-hour batteries, so six-hour charge. I'm like, fuck, it work. Yeah, I hate that. I know. I know. Um, when I have to do shoots back to back to back or whatever, mm. going home after a shoot and charging them is the most anxious thing. You just yeah. Go. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, um, I have um two charging bays. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, charging bay in the shed, uh, in the garage, mm-hmm. and I have one just in my hallway here. The quick grab batteries. Mm. Yeah. I'm constantly charging so many batteries. <laughs> All filmmakers are, <laughs> are cursed oh, with charging thing. those batteries. Yeah. And um, if you just don't plug it in or you don't switch the the PowerPoint on, it just drives you nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, you got You got It's one of those triple check things, you know. Mm. Actually, um, when I uh, check that sort of thing, I actually say it out loud. Mm. Battery is charging. Okay. Because then I walk away, get distracted, and go. Did I do that? Did I do that? Yeah. And then I have an audio memory of me saying it out loud. So okay. that's yeah, a good yeah. Little hack actually. Yeah, I, mm. I, I I figured it out by being a um, a data entry person. Mm. So when you do data entry, sometimes you've got to remember a number in your head and sometimes you've got to remember three numbers in your head and that's really hard to do. Mm. So I'd visually remember a number, audio remember a number and then just through thought remember a number. Okay. And and then and then I run out of space so I go, well, I'll audio remember a number <laughs> as well, uh, which is weird. It's a weird thing to do. I've been, told, I've been told if you need to remember four numbers or something like that or even six, if it's even, just remember the... Um, like the the tens digits or whatever so say it's like 7854 mm. rather than 7854 or whatever 7854 yeah don't break don't fragment it yeah mm. split it up into pieces mm. i suppose we do that naturally with phone numbers credit cards mm. yeah yeah i know my uh yeah i know i've done so much home shopping that i know my credit card through muscle memory oh no that's when uh capitalism's really got to you <laughs> yeah no, just just like done yeah i even don't even touch a mouse when doing the credit card just tab my way through it <laughs> yeah oh well yeah man yeah they've got me they've got us both they've got us all cheers yeah oh cheers man uh thanks for being on the patreon train thank you for having me i mean i think we're ready to um I'll roll in Cool, let's get it, Henry Rowland. Yeah, 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 let's do Henry Rowland. Oh, I see, I'll do the Josh Brolin. I'll do the Josh Brolin, Henry Rowland. Oh, I love, I love it. All right, this is going to be fun. I think so. Yeah, all right. And welcome to the Pager Train. Today I have in the studio with me, Luke Aegis. Um, I hope I've got that correctly. You have got that correctly, Fan- thank you. Fantastic writer, director, um, and uh, a media practitioner. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, man, uh, you uh, totally uh, took out a prize this year at the Online Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, uh, Best Horror, mm. which was unusual because it was also a film clip. Yeah. yeah, it was a music video. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was good fun. It was good fun. Uh, my mate's uh, Martin Young. a film Jung clip, not a music clip. Yeah. <laughs> That's all good. I know I <laughs> um, my mate Martin Young uh, shot that and such, and it was from a really ta- talented artist called mm. uh, Machine on a Break, and it starred um, British... Uh, uh, British Flower. British Flower that you had on the show before. So. Yeah, yeah, mad really interview. Good. She's yeah. a mad interview, man. Um, uh, she's a go-getter, man. Absolutely. Very talented person. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, um, uh, she does metal online as well. Mm-mm. Yeah, she does, um, uh, does a lot of things in um, vocals. Drag King yeah. stuff as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, I think that's more comedy sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's into comedy, metal, acting. Yeah. Um, I, I, actually, if she's listening, I'll get you back on the show soon. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so uh, how'd you get into making that movie? 
Um, so I've always wanted to make music videos, uh, and, and, um, I'd made a few in the past before and I was sort of, uh, I work in radio as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mate Jesse happened to bring an artist on the show called Machine on a Break and, um, I just really liked her music. Mm -hmm. I thought that she was really good. Her music had a real, always had a real political message. Yeah. Um, and so like after we did this interview, I reached out to her and said, Hey, would you be interested in letting me do a music video? It's funny because I kind of had a plan for one that she'd, a single that she'd already released called mm -hmm. Avocado Toast. And I was like really hoping to just go in with that. And I had an idea. She's like, oh, I'm releasing this other track called um, Things That Go Bump. Yeah. Uh, would you be interested in, in doing that? And I'm like, okay. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, kind of snowballed from the idea that the song in itself is about mm. domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, and that in itself is a horror story. So I said to Mob. Um, we'll make a music video that is a horror story mm. in itself. Um, but we'll sort of take most of it will be the symbolic kind of representation. This woman's in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And then um, at the end, we'll sort of break out of that and it's the real world. Yeah. And she can get out of that yeah. relationship. So, yeah, that's how it all kind of... Yeah, I like the oh. um, uh, the way you put it together. Um, so, like, because obviously in a music video you have, um, you know, if you've got a band, you've got you see instrument, you know, you might see instruments playing, or it might be a fully narrative piece, mm -hmm. or it's an integrated piece where there's a narrative uh, where the band's going through a journey, yeah, and then you go back <laughs> to seeing them play. Um, so this one was a bit of a narrative and seeing the um, performer. Mm. Um, and I like the uh, the way that you did that. So it was all this red backlit mm. um, uh, sort of. Um, portrait sort of style so it was like she was doing a portrait and and mm. then had this background story to it i think it was very well put together yeah yeah well thank you thank you it, it was um i was very much inspired by our argento and um or his films and such with all the vibrant mm. violent colors and such and that sort of um you know that's uh, the clash of colors i'm trying there's a word that i'm trying to think of and yeah, i just yeah. can't get it at the we moment. got there well it does it does have yeah. a violence to it though i noticed like because i think that's a bit of a Freudian slip really when you think about it because mm. if you look at the color um scheme in this film um, it does talk, you know, it does talk, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the song talks about violence mm. and you've got these red and, um, uh, you know, um, uh, red tones that are through it. Mm. Like even, um, if you look at the psychology of that, right? Like, um, uh, even, uh, Kubrick, right? Mm. Uh, before, um, Clockwork Orange just does one screen of red for one minute. Really? Yeah. yeah because, yeah. because the idea was he wanted to put the audience in a violent mood before they watch this film. Yeah, wow, I didn't so, notice that, yeah. Yeah, well, colours have an effect on our, um, our psychological state. Like, they, um, it's why they paint, like, um, uh, hospitals uh, green, mm. right? Um, when you look at logo development, they'll do a lot of research into colour palettes and what the brand is and what the market is and what that psychology is in that space, you know? So, mm. all the demographic, you know? So, they'll, they'll target colour to demographic. So, colour has a... Um, uh, a motive in how we feel. Mm, so, mm. yeah, definitely portrayed that. It was very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I think it was a bit Freudian. You know, but, um, yeah, no, you did have, it did have a good palette to it. Um, uh, so you directed that, right? Yeah, I directed that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And who shot that? Uh, my friend Martin Jung. So he's a guy that I went to uni with back mm. in, uh, you know, a, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, him and I collaborated on almost everything. He's, mm. he's really talented. He's, he's super dedicated and focused. And he actually came in at the fucking 11th hour mm. to shoot it because I had another DP on who's mm. a good friend of mine. Mm. But unfortunately, he just felt sick. So yeah. I called up Martin the day before. I'm like, Martin, can you please? Can you please do this for me? And he did it, and he fucking killed it. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was, shout out to you, Martin. Yeah, big shout out, man. That was a, uh, it was a uh, fucking boss. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it was highly competitive, and and, and as well, uh, 
unleashing the music videos at Maine the West, right? Mm. Um, we've been pushing for it for ages, but we were always worried about the market. Like we published that we're going to do a music video mm, um, mm. award. Do you only get one entry? Like they go, well, you're going to, you're going to win. Mm, mm. Um, but then there was a period around four years ago, we got um, uh, submitted a whole bunch of music videos. Like now it's time. Yeah. It's time to put the award out there and put some glassware in someone's hand you mm, know? Mm. Um, and give them something to, you know, uh, compete for mm. uh, and strive for. And uh, yeah, now we've just had this influx of music videos over the years mm, um, mm. and they have all been, you know, rage quality, top notch, international stuff, man. Mm, mm. Um, and to compete in that space is, yeah, I've got to tip my hat, man. That's a, that's a hard space to compete in. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Um, but personally, like watching the Made in the West, the winner this mm. year for best music video was very well deserved. It was, it was just a very beautiful clip and, you know. Yeah, it was well done. Um, uh, yeah, it's got Chicken Man in it. Mm, um, mm. Uh, which is because uh, I went to the local university there. Yeah. And, uh, we used to get um, uh, chips there. Uh, only one is the clip, by the way, if you want to go check it out, guys. Um, but uh, only one was filmed around Chicken Man. And mm. it was we just found, like, if you're not from the area, if you go past Chicken Man, when you get off Kingswood Station, mm. you go... Where the fuck am I? <laughs> I, am, I am minutes away from being mugged, right? If, it depends on the personality that rocks up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walk through there feeling just fine. I even used to have my local there at the Kingswood Tavern. Mm -hmm. I used to drink there. People used to say, how do you go into there, man? Don't you get stabbed? I'm like, well, not every week. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it seems to be quite fine. It's quite an authentic place, yeah. is my point. Mm. Um, uh, the, the aesthetic may be lacking a little bit. It may have um, a bit of grit on it, but the people there are very... Um, uh, community-minded and uh, to watch Chicken Man uh, to be shown that gloriously was, mm. uh, was a good massive feat for me. Like, I just like, wow, that's, that's impressive. They made it look really cool too. Like, I just love yeah. the palette and the grade and everything. Like, you know. The cool. grade was, I think the grade is the one, you know when you need that 1% in a film? Mm. And, mm. Um, yeah, in that film, it was the grade. Mm. Like, the edit was done well. It was well-timed. The song um, was great. The song know? was great. Yeah, it had all those firing cylinders. Mm. But the thing that really pushed it over was the grade of it. Yeah, Absolutely, sure. yeah. The good yeah. thing is that I really like appreciate that you guys have brought in the music video category because there's so many great music. Like, sorry, as, you, as you've always known this, mm. you're a, you were in a band and stuff yourself. But mm. uh, Western Sydney has so many great artists. Yeah. There's another thing that unfortunately it's just closing up now. But a Western Sydney mixtape, this guy was doing it for mm. you know a while. Yeah, just bringing in all these Western Sydney musicians and mm. such to perform you know on a monthly basis. And Adam Moger is now doing heaps of live shows yeah. and all that sort of thing. And we don't really see that that much in the West anymore, unfortunately. Oh, getting. You know. gig out west man um because you've played in bands as well yeah you? yeah yeah uh, getting a gig out west because you know what it's like you've got to go to the inner west so um mm. these days like towards the end of my reign because uh, like, my, my band broke up and it's very sad um but um oh, no it was, it was really it was a it was a peaceful breakup guys okay. um but um you know uh, you know uh, playing frankie's pizza uh, mm. is great right There's oh, great fucking, that was our last gig my band's last gig was at frankie that was my last yeah. gig there you go, that crazy. was my last gig at frankie's pizza man um it must be an omen you play you, you finally get the uh venue and then you it closes and it closes yeah, yeah. now we did it uh, last week before covid hit oh actually oh hang on like in 2020 or yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah so 2020 
Um, we you, we started seeing COVID in the news, mm. and you're like, I know the Chinese. Oh, we were uh, making SARS jokes thing. about it, eh? Yeah, like, we were just like, oh yeah, just going to be another swine flu, but not fucking. Yeah, yeah it was it wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, is me. Yeah, is, is what I'm saying. Like, um, but yeah, we played that week, and then after the week, <laughs> the whole fucking world fell apart. Jeez. Um. Uh. But yeah, like Ground Zero or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and then Frankie's gets up again, and now it's closing. Yeah, I went past there the other day. Yeah, it's closed. That whole block is closed. There mm. was a, even a pub that was next to it. I, I was quite fond of as well not a pub yeah I think it was a pub not sure I know the one you're talking about yeah yeah they might have been a hotel thing yeah 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 but I, I, I used to um, uh, drink there with my old man you know uh, on um, uh, an Anzac day of all days uh, but uh, yeah that whole block is shut down because they've got uh, the metro coming the metro through, coming through. Yeah, and they go we'll reopen it elsewhere it's not going to be the same uh, it won't be the same but at the same time it's so it was so popular and so loved that I think it does have a chance of coming back. It won't be the same, but it could be just as good. Like maybe not just as good, but it could be you know something on par. new even. Yeah, on par yeah. and something new. Yeah. But I must say, uh, the guys at Frankie's man, um, out of all the venues I've played in Sydney, um, they treat you the best. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, you get paid. Um, you get a pizza. You get free drinks. I think and we you got get, free drinks. Yeah, we got yeah. a case of beer. Yeah, they give us, yeah. yeah, they gave us paps, man. Mm, there you, <laughs> go. you know, that was like fuck yeah, man. I love these guys. Um, my band was upset because I drank most of the share, but you know that, that could happen. Yeah, our last gig was Frankie's, but then you got the you know. But outside of those kind of venues, though, mm. you've got like um, back in the day it was the Lewisham Hotel, mm. uh, the Crowbar, which was the Bald Face Stag, yeah, Town uh, Town and Country. There yeah, was the Hideaway Bar, yeah, the know. Hideaway, um, which was then the Hide, or whatever, like something you know, like, something that, like yeah. that. The Record Crate. Did you ever play the Record, record Crate? crate. I never that was played such there. a cool little venue. Never I loved played it. there. I was very close to playing there once, mm. man. That was a mad venue. It was a very intimate venue, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, oh, that was on my bucket list. I never got to do. But uh, every other venue, though, like, but uh, even the Valve, man, like, yeah. you can appreciate the Valve. The Valve is what it is. Is that still going? Are you talking about the Valve Underground and Central? Yeah, it's not going anymore. Yeah, I didn't uh, think Greg's so. selling it. I don't know if he sold it already. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, um, yeah I saw a post uh, five months ago. Mm. He was selling uh, all of the gear and the brand. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. Because I even played at Tempe. You ever mm. played at Tempe? No, I don't think we played at Tempe. No. We yeah, played the, at um, the Lewisham Bowl Club. I think. <laughs> I've done that one. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to retrofit um, gigs under there to justify their pogies. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, th- yeah, but there was all, uh, you had to get, there was nothing, I was a lucky Australian, I suppose there was the lucky Australian. Years and years ago, there was um, uh, one in Richmond, mm-hmm. uh, the Froggy, I think it was called. Okay. Um, we only ever did two gigs in Penrith, mm-hmm. um, Top Bar. I think we played at the Tattersalls. Tattersalls. Did you play the Tats? Yeah, played yeah. the Tats, yeah. Uh, I had this gentleman on before. There was this dude. I, I, I'm sorry, sorry, guys. I've forgotten his name, but he was the he was the guy. Mm. He was the main promoter for um, Penrith and uh, Outer West. But he passed away. I think he had a heart attack. Mm, that's a real shame. And, and when, yeah, he was the but he was the the passion. Yeah, you need that one guy. Yeah, yeah, the and guy he, that's gonna pull it. Yeah, he was that one guy, mm. and he's the guy who put it on all the Tattersall uh, shows. And he played with mad bands, man. It was yeah. always a mad lineup uh, at Tattersalls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, again, another intimate sort of venue. Um, and a crowd. Mm. And crowds, man. <laughs> Are the best. Oh, man. I think that was where we got our first heckler, actually. This guy's, like, coming up and he's just bald and, and like, probably fucked off his face. He's just like, play more rock. We don't want this sissy shit. I'm like, all right, cool. So he played the hardest fucking song we could. And yeah. he, he was happy and then he left. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> calm down, bro. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just deal with hunky, it. You know? Well, that's the thing, man. When when I put on shows, right, because um, we were doing hard rock, mm. um, heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, so Screamo, 
uh, deep, deep guttural vocal, and you know a lot of um, uh, a lot of melodic screams, and mm. you know a bit of clean, you know. Yeah. And um, that's it. Depends what venue we were at to how we sold ourselves. Because if you say heavy metal to a venue, they'd be like, "Fuck off!" We're not yeah. Doing that. Mm. No, no, we're a hard rock band. You know, oh, cool! Okay. Come on in. Um, so depends on who you're selling to, to how you market it. But I'd always like putting on um, shows where I had a variety uh, of bands on. So put on a punk band, mm. put on um, a stoner band, put on a thrash metal band, put on a hard rock band. Mm. Um, uh, we at one point I was in a heavy metal conspiracy band, which was great. Um, the lyrics were really oh, cool. I've got a song. I'll have to show you after the show, but that's a song that you'd fucking love yeah. for my band. It's literally called Conspiracy Theories. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, my last uh, band before last, uh, Alpha Degenerate. Uh, yeah, it was all conspiracy metal. Like mm. we made our own. We decided to make our own genre. Conspiracy <laughs> I metal. I love it. Um, that's great. Yeah. So um, yeah, very gent. <laughs> it was very gent. Um, but uh, yeah, we did like what two albums out of that band. And then, you know, Mendoza, which was the next band, which was cool because it was a name from The Simpsons, right? Because mm-hmm. um, th- th- both of those bands, like, we had uh, practiced so hard for so long, we didn't even ha- have a name until we had our first gig. And both of those bands were named on the night that we were doing the gig. Because, you, you know, you get That's on a... pretty metal. Yeah, well, you, when you're starting out as a band, like, you just want to get on a bill. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not the headliner. Um, you just want to get on a bill. And no one's there for you. Mm, You're just supporting mm. other bands that they're there for. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but that's what I, that's what I learned. Like, because I'd go and play these shows, and I'd put on like the same genre of bands all the way through. Mm. And you get the girlfriends there. You know, you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. You get the <laughs> girlfriends, the other band members that are watching you play. But to get the audience beyond that, I found the way to do that was to put contrast in your lineup. So you'll invite people that are, are um, different um, uh, genre tastes, um, and then they will get to sample other genres as well so they might fall in love with a band that they never thought they would fall in love with okay that's really interesting yeah, yeah. so I found that, that that was the most successful not to burn your audience because if you're always doing the same shows and because like it's so limited right like especially Western Sydney like mm. try to get a gig in Western Sydney man uh, I hope it changes though I hope that changes I've still burned to play man I still mm. burn to play yeah. um, my neighbours know it that's for sure <laughs> no I get it too actually like you know it's, it's just that that feeling of being on stage sometimes it's just it's unrivaled but I don't know I kind of I think it wore down for me after a few years it's just yeah. the business of the music industry the business of getting people to come to your gigs the business of getting like four other people in the same room to rehearse mm. um, and then just trying to make sure that you know, uh, your music gets out there, like aggregated and then listened to and then, yeah. you know, making, like, wanting to make music videos and such for it to complement that. It's just a fucking nightmare. I'll, I'll just, I'll just put it out. That's like the worst thing about it, you know, when, um, well, I think it was as well the stronghold that the venues had. Yeah, that as well. That's really what killed the spirit. You know, no, not killed the spirit, but kills the spirit of a band. Because mm, mm. you have the, you know, um, it's good when you got a new. Uh, it was always funny when we had a younger band join our um, bill. Mm. Right, you, get, you have this younger band. They're like, we're gonna be fucking rock stars. You're like, remember Calm when down. we were like with that? <laughs> we were like before the weight of the world crushed our spirits. You know, remember that? Um, we're like shit that was 20 years ago you're like fuck I'm getting old bro but the thing is like when I was 30 I never thought I'd be a 40 year old rocker mm. I never thought that I'd be still screaming into a microphone at 40 now I've done that 
And now that the band has gone under, I'm like, I've got an idea for a new band. I've got a new idea for a content stream for that. Mm. I've got guitarists in mind. I've got drums in mind. Like, I think I can put this together. <laughs> just do it, man. Just do whatever you love. Like, you're obviously like really driven by the arts and music and totally. film and all that, you know. So just yeah, just do what makes you happy. Can't help it as a as a passionate drive. Like even doing the show, man. Yeah. You know? uh, I want to talk to other artists. Mm. Um, uh, I want to see what makes them tick. Mm. Mm. Share share anything that I go. Well, this worked for me, man. Try this out, you know. Um, there's that aspect to it, but making film though, um, I find um, I find that um, uh, yeah, there's a there's a relationship between making film and, and music, right? Mm. Uh, well, what were you in the band? Are you a guitarist or? So I was a drummer in a band. Drummer, um, yeah. We're called Vacant Shade. We were around for like ten years, so which is longer than most bands, as you'd know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like, it still hasn't quite. We still haven't quite called a day, mm. but it's kind of fizzled out a bit. We haven't played a gig in like three years. COVID, I think, was the final nail on the coffin, yeah. but. No, yeah. you just got to find. You need that one guy to light the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need the one guy to light the fire. Light, one, sure. one guy to light the fire, then someone else will be um, lit and to, and to do it. But if it all disintegrates, mm. you go. Well, we've got to reset it. The how the it's further so it, hard to set up. Oh, exactly, and that's the thing. The the somehow the more time that sort of lapses between your your last rehearsal, mm. um, the harder it is to pick that back up. Yeah, you know, and going like I've got a drum kit and I might play it like once a month or something mm. like that, even less. It's sitting there. It's like right next to me. Right next to my, right my workstation. Like yours is here. Yeah. And so my drum kit's like right there next to it. But it's just just a matter of, you know, it's also much more fun playing with people, but... Oh man, if I didn't have this podcast set up here, I'd have a set of um, um, uh, electric drums here. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd be doing. Um, uh, to the annoyance of my band though, uh, you know, because you know when you um, uh, muse switch around, mm-hmm. like, um, like so I'm a vocalist, right? And like when a vocalist sits around a, a drum kit, the, everyone goes, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Go. <laughs> you know what? No, Shit, that's not man. even that bad. When the guitarist sits at the drum kit, they're just like, oh, you just, like, I just fucking want to hit my head oh, against the fucking drum kit instead. I'll tell know? you what, um, our bass guitarist, Steve, when he sat at a drum kit, man, he liked, um, he loved the double kicks mm. and like all the technical sort of prowess of um, stuff like Meshuggah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, new Millennium Cyanide Christ every time, without shadow of a doubt, man. Me, I'm just a 4-4, and if I can get someone to play guitar with me while I'm drumming, I'm so happy. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> if, we can, if we can communicate, and they're like, okay, we've got, we've got it together. It's garbage, but we've got it together. <laughs> I'm the same, with the, the, though, with the bassist, though. The drummer and the bass are like, you know, I find that's always really nice. There's that sort of connection. They're both rhythm instruments. And such, and then the guitarist comes in and just like, "What are you doing here? Mm. You, well, you invited the party. Three's a crowd here. Can you fuck off?" Anyways, that's just me. If I could do Royal Blood, I would, man. I would be a Royal Blood band. Oh, dude. Um, but it's interesting that you say that, right? Because there's a relationship between a bass guitarist and a drummer. Mm-hmm. They have to, at some level, have strong communication. Yeah. Uh, um, not just musically, but on outlook of how we achieve this music, especially in uh, original music. Mm, mm. And the same relationship is with. Um, lead guitar and a vocalist right mm. um, they've got to fall in love in some way because they've got to uh, feed off each other's um, uh, storytelling yeah and then then we have those two components that are storytelling that need to synthesize with the, the drummer um, bass and, and and lead the the rhythm guy <laughs> he's just a, a crossroads of the figure eight he's just everywhere between he's just trying to keep everyone fucking happy <laughs> It's chilling there. I love it. They're always the most patient. Rhythm guitarists are the most patient people I've ever met, man. They're mm. always patient. Drummers will snap quicker. Yep. Um, bassists are usually a bit more secluded and they will back, back. They'll snap on a... They'll back up a drummer. Mm-hmm. Like if a drummer's snapping, they'll go, no, nah, he's got a fucking point. Uh, lead guitarists and vocalists will always argue. Um, they will all... like They'll always get along, but they'll always argue. Mm. 
the strange thing that I found when you do film crews, right? Cinematographer and sound. Yeah, yeah. That, well, cinematographer and director. Oh, okay, okay. That's the, that's your lead guitarist and the um um uh, vocalist ego mm. problem. Okay. How are we shooting this film? No, you have the vision. No, but ha- what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think the sound guys and the um uh, when you start looking at um the editor, mm. it's more of a drummer, right? Because they actually create the rhythm in the in the piece. Mm, mm. They're the one telling the they're the one actually telling the story. But no one acknowledges them. Mm, it's like they always look at the vocalist and the lead guitarist. Mm, mm. It's very rare that a drummer is like the, the front person of a band. So is the sound recorders like the bassist where they're kind of just in the background and no one yeah, gives a no shit? No one gives a shit, yeah. Oh, they're like, that's what it is. Unless you're you know, Les Claypool or someone like that. Mm. But um, yeah, that's what I found, the strange comparison between it. Um, but I reckon it's easier. It's definitely easier to set up a film crew. Mm. Oh, 100%. I was actually going to bring that up, you know. It's easier to do. We, I was, uh, you've met Noel before, and yeah. I was doing a web series called Axe Medeus with the... Yeah, I love like, Noel. Big shout out, bro, if you're yeah, listening. He's sick. Love Noel. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we did something like 20, I think 20 consecutive, you know, months, mm. or almost pretty much, because COVID popped up in and there, but we made 20 consecutive, you know, shorts and releases over mm. 20 months or something like that, mm-hmm. and such. I could not do that with a band doing gigs. Like, that just would not happen. It wouldn't tolerate. No, no, it just wouldn't, just wouldn't work, you know? Yeah. Ooh, we're geez. talking about, like, obviously, pre-production, like, writing, pre-production, you know, getting that film out there and all that sort of stuff, editing, grading, whatever, marketing, damn thing, on a monthly, month-by-month month basis and stuff, and we fucking did it. And that was a short film. Putting a band together, I think it must be just something about the psyche of musicians. And in a way, musicians are very similar to filmmakers in a they way. They are. There's a similar But they're yeah. flaky. They're so flaky. It's just like herding cats. I don't know what it is. It is It, it is like herding cats. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is either. Um, because, like, you know, like, uh, you know, we had a jam room. We yep. had, um, uh, it was called The Dank. Right. Yeah. Again, another Simpsons reference for you younger listeners out there. <laughs> uh, but uh, the dank was um, uh, a Kennard's higher mm-hmm. um, uh, storage can. Yeah. 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 With a PowerPoint out the front. Yeah. Right? Okay. So just run a lead into that, and we can run all the boxes, everything we need. Uh, PA cool a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, soundproofed it, spray painted it, made it look like the Ninja Turtles fucking lair, <laughs> and we had that for ten years, man. Set up there all the time. It literally was two kilometers down the road from here. Yeah, wow, okay. Uh, but I'd never visit it every week. But I'd always take other musicians in there, um, uh, veteran friends of mine to let them sing. I go, there's no one here, man. We're in an industrial complex and I've got a microphone that has 800 watts. Are you in? <laughs> Can't say no to that. Can't say no to that, man. I go, I'll just put the uh, you know an iPad on you know uh, on a stand and go... Mm. What song do you want to sing, man? Let's let's annoy. Let's see if we can get a response. <laughs> let's see if we can get security around, man. I love it. Oh, that was cool because like we worked out with the with Kenars. We like we were you know you have hobbyists mm, that show mm. up in your venue uh, and rent space. We're like, yep. well, we're a heavy metal band. Just letting you know, industrial space. There's no issues with that. No sound complaints. They go in industrial space. It's 180 decibels, man. We're like, well, we'll try. We'll try. Yeah, we'll keep. We'll try to keep it under. We'll, tr- we'll try, <laughs> try to get it there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I had um I had a mate that worked at Bunnings that was across the road. Yeah. And he says to me one day, he goes, "Man, I was listening. There's this band that's down the road, and when they were practicing, man, oh, so shit. Like we just we heard them. We go, these guys have got to fucking put their back into it. Mm. And he goes, about a year later, they just like clicked, and it was like we we're like, yeah, this is really good. I'm like, where do you work? He goes, oh, on Castle Ray Road. I'm like. That's my band, <laughs> I love that. That's my band. But, you know, you have this space. It's highly inviting. Mm. No rules. No one's going to interrupt you. 
I think we had security interrupt us twice in 10 years. Mm. You know, are you allowed to do this? Uh, yeah, man, we rent the space. We had Quite the nice. we had the cops visit us a few times. I used to rehearse at my house. I'm the drummer, so yeah. I used to rehearse at my house or whatever. And you know, a few times I used to practice out of the garage. When I moved it out of the garage into like the dining room or whatever, mm. it was fine. I had the cops visit a few times or whatever. Mm. Luckily, I was under 18 like all those times or whatever, yeah. so it wasn't my fucking responsibility. Now was it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I I was once um practicing in Townsville in a band called Leaving Metropolis. Mm. Oh, that sounds really familiar, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're a little bit on the scene. Yeah, okay. yeah years and years and years and years ago. Um, but uh, we were um, uh, in a recording studio and the police showed up. Yeah, okay. And they're like, uh, you got to keep it down. I'm like, we're in an industrial area in a recording studio. <sighs> like, this is the bit, that's the, the sign on the door, man. Mm, it's a music mm. shop that has a recording studio at the back. And they're like, yeah, no, we've had complaints. We've got to, um, uh, got to shut you down. We're like, that doesn't make it. What's the decibel level then? What's the, what regulation... Are you saying that we are breaching? Because uh, it doesn't make sense to us. We're an industrial area. Like, how could we be louder than a jackhammer? I don't know what it's what it's like in Queensland, but I think in, in New South Wales, at least, if it's... Actually, no, I probably shouldn't talk about this because I don't want to give any nimbies any bad ideas. But, um, yeah, if No, no do. Give them bad ideas. They'll if, love it. If you, Apparently, if it's like... If the sound or whatever that uh, your neighbour is producing or whatever from music mm. or whatever is impacting your well-being mm. somehow, you can report it. And okay. you can, like, get that shut down or whatever. But it has to get to that point where it's impacting your well-being. Oh, dude, they, they, they threaten to confiscate oh, our instruments. Think about that. Like, whoa. So your solution to this problem is to take our gear. Mm. Like, that's... I hate that. No, but they rocked up like they re- they were dressed ready to invade Poland, man. You know, like, like the whole picture. You know, I think about it as the artist, man. You like, there's a picture of it. You're like, do you understand what you just said and where we are and what we're doing? And like, because you had one complaint, and you're, if we refuse, you're mm. going to confiscate our um, instruments, and beyond that, you're probably going to arrest us for practicing music, man. That's insane. It's so weird how much, um, I guess. <sighs> It's so weird how much of a reliance or whatever, like keeping of the peace and everything like that. Mm. Like you see all this stuff. I mean, I'm glad that the the state governments, like they're talking about lifting that sort of noise cap on Allianz Stadium yeah. and such. Because I'm just thinking, like, for fuck's sake, when are we? Like, who the hell would move next to a massive stadium? You're gonna have some people? interruptions once at yeah, a time. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't want to deal with that, then go somewhere else. Go to the suburbs or whatever, mm. where your band is not playing, but somewhere else. Like, just. Fuck off! Same like, with the Annandale man. What's wrong with people? People moved around the Annandale and they start saying, "Well, this pub is playing these bands, and there's 500 people, walk, you know, 300 mm. people walking out of this venue, going to the McDonald's across the road." And you go, "Well, <laughs> well you knew the McDonald's was there when you moved there, and you you, you bought the apartment next to the pub mm. that is literally <laughs> registered as one of the main live venues in Western Sydney." And you're going, "I got a problem with that." Yeah, you know, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I have no idea. Yeah, but that's the, but they're the things that create the tides of making it hard for bands. Mm, mm. But that's what I realised, man. Like looking at um, uh, looking at um, uh, filmmakers, right? The cool thing about being a filmmaker is once you make the movie, you don't have to perform the movie anymore. Mm. It's made. Mm, absolutely. You just got to get it into a machine run it through a beam of light in front of a whole bunch of people to watch it. Yeah. And you just got to find where that beam of light has the most bums on seats to get it done. Mm. And you can put that anywhere. Mm. Um, we've been brokering content for Made in the West, um, uh, you know, winners and uh, participants for, what, good five years now? So we've had people playing uh, in malls in Melbourne, mm. you know, um, train stations in, in Western Sydney. 
um, you know, parks and uh, art galleries. You know, we just did one at um, uh, Blacktown Arts. Yeah, yeah, I saw that actually. Yeah, 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 we've got you know we've got to run for four filmmakers, mm. you know, and they 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 get a royalty check out of that. Mm. You know, there's that's so like for us like um, it's almost not worth the work. Mm. Like for us as a business, like we only I think we barely get over even mm. on, on that deal. Like and, and that's that's okay. I'm not like, having, like if you guys are listening, I'm not having a stab. I understand the situation. I'm just saying that it's really great to to give um, a check to an artist going. We sold this for you, man, and this is the price that we got for you. There you go. Um, isn't that cool? You know, they're like, oh wow, and they'll put that in to the next movie. You know, mm. um, and then you know what we're doing these days is uh, we've launched our business, which is uh, Main the West Creative. Mm. Uh, so we're basically running as an agency where we're putting DOPs, directors, editors in contact with content um, uh, um, uh, people that are paying for content mm. and all we're doing is EPing it. So we still like, it's not like we're just putting them together and letting them go. What we do is um, we put them together. Uh, we're not putting them together. We mediate that space and we make sure that we protect the artists so that they're, um, that they're getting a fair price and they're not being overworked mm, mm. and we, manage expectations with the client so that they go well this is your budget um you've asked for avatar <laughs> but we we let's just pull it back from avatar and let's try to do a, titanic at least let's do a b-rated terminator 2 okay <laughs> piranha 2 actually that piranha, be piranha 2. a b-rated to piranha 2 is what we can get you and then uh we show them how to aggregate that content yep. you know because then they go well that's really expensive you go well when you think about it it's an we, investment it's an investment and mm. when we build that you can aggregate out of that content and actually get all your socials out of it as well. You've got mm. like a good six months, 18 months, depending on the, the product and content. Mm. You've got a good 18 months there of, of snippets for TikTok, um, Reels on mm. YouTube, Facebook, Insta. Like you've got a suite of content that you can just give to a low-grade editor to go, make me seven of these um, and here's an hour of content to do so. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, you have now a, a library of content that is going to then shorten your costs mm. over the next year. So you actually, that investment's actually making you money. It's not just an investment, it's making you money on the long term. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So, so uh, that's, that's what we do as the agency is make sure that the artist is getting paid properly and make sure that the client is getting the content that they paid for and making sure that that relationship is managed so that um, everyone gets out alive. Mm, Everyone mm. wins. The agency wins. The artist, the artist wins, wins. Yeah. The client wins. We, we kind of live in a good time, like, um, in that respect. I mean, for music especially or whatever, because you don't need to go through labels to get your music out there anymore. But it's for film as well, yeah. for films, there's actually, like, things like Film Hub and mm. all that sort of stuff and, you know, getting your, your yeah. content on Prime or Vidiverse and such by Alex Proyas. Yeah. That's, those are options. Totally. You know? And the access to filmmaking and such is a lot easier. Don't get me wrong, I'm not running around making movies on fucking iPhones. <laughs> Um, and I kind of hate people when people are. try to. People, people are. are. I hate people that try to try to tell you to always do that. But like, um, you've got to take cinematic the, rules with you, though. Yeah. Yeah. But there's that option or whatever. The totally. access, the it's bar accessible. of access, is is so much lower than it used to be. You don't need to invest in like a whole heap of Super 8 or 16 millimeter film, or mm. 35 millimeter film. Yeah. You can just buy an iPhone, use it for what you want to do, and then shoot with that shit. Not that I am going to shoot on a fucking iPhone, but. At the end of the day, it's great that we have that option. Oh, yeah, but you could shoot on an iPhone. Let me give you an example, right? Yeah. So you're doing your main production. So you've got your main, you know, you've got an Ursa at the front, black mm -hmm. magic with a nice lens on it, 
um, getting uh, the right time of day with the right um, uh, um, color palette, yeah. the, with the right focus, with the right talent in front of it. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you've got a, um, a PR manager in the background with a gimbal and with a phone going, these guys are cool. So you are, yeah, you, 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 what I say to you is like, don't remove the principal photography. Of course not. Mm. But don't forget to integrate these little cameras into your process because mm. the process and looking behind the, cam, uh, looking behind the curtain of how we make film People are very interested in that. Oh, yeah. And it feeds into that accessibility. So phones are a part of any production, but I would argue that phones at a minimum are a part of your PR campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you, you know, even as the, uh, um, uh, as the producers and directors and EPs of a production, you need to not just look at the principal photography, you need to look at the secondary photography. Mm-hmm. And all of that is done on a phone these days. Oh, absolutely. You'll get your stills guy in. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, gala event, stills guy. Uh, you need someone who's going to get you sharp you know, in focus, um, candid shots. Mm. But that doesn't mean you also have your bite-sized guy that you... Get an intern, man. They're great at it, mm. right? They're mm. hungry to work on film, right? Um, get an attachment to your production and go, film us filming this. Mm. Mm. And um, uh, and then break the barrier of... You know that barrier when you're talking to a phone and you're trying to promote your own um, uh, profile? Yeah. The first time you do that is quite confronting. Because you're like, oh shit, now I'm trying to sell myself. I'll do this wrong. People are going to hate me. Blah, 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 blah. Realize that um, some people are going to hate you regardless. Mm. Some people are going to like you. Some people are going to love you. Mm. And if you can get that number of love up, you can raise the profile of the project that you're on. You can raise the viewership of that project, which will then feed into your next project, feed into collaborations of that project. And then you can tell the people that hate you to fuck off. So there you go. Oh, success is the best fuck off, man. (laughs) Success is the best fuck off. Um, I yeah, man. I've run into a lot of that actually. Not not in a targeted way. Like uh, I've run into people that um, you know the ones that told you, you couldn't do it. Mm. Run into those down the track, um, and they're like, oh, it's very nice that your thing's running. Okay. And it's unsaid. You go, yeah, no, it is nice that it's going. But in the back of your mind, you're like, but you didn't fucking you back believe, me. Yeah. You didn't believe in me. Mm. But anyway, now you do because uh, you have to. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You're already there, right? I, I think you were talking last last episode or something about um. About tall poppy syndrome, and it's rampant in this country. I oh, don't it think is, it's man. really sad, you know. Australia loves an underdog until you're not one. But I'm actually starting to start to think they don't love an underdog. They just don't love anybody. It's, That's just how yeah. this culture is. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've seen the contrast of this, actually. Yeah, I was talking yeah. about this. A uh, big shout-out to Brendan Byrne, actually. I, ran in, oh, I love Brendan. He's great. Yeah, I ran into him at the gym today. We yeah. had a big, big chat and because he he's trying to get his green card up for um, mm. going to the States. Really? You know? Okay, cool. And uh, he's got content to sell. He's got content to make. He's really on a good path. And I was just saying to him, you know, um, you know, over at the States, man, they have a hero mentality. Mm. Like they don't have the tall poppy syndrome. It's all about go. You, yeah. man, you, can do to, attitude, right? I'll go to your show and buy some merch. Like mm. you hear that in Sydney, you'd be like, shit, I'm on drugs, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. Uh, maybe Melbourne, perhaps. But um, nonetheless, the Australian markets for these sort of things are very much like, I don't need to buy a shirt. Why would I buy and support your band for? Mm. Um, but you go over the States, they be like, oh, wow, I'm so glad you guys wrote this. Um, I'll buy a shirt to support your band. Um, I can't wait to see you guys on stage. It's going to be great. That, that attitude. Mm. But the problem with that is that it's all about status. Mm. It's, not about, it's not a metocracy. It's about whose eyes are on you. Mm. At least with the tall poppy syndrome, it's based on merit. And that's why it exists. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I was very, I was always quick to attack the tall poppy syndrome in Australia, but I realised it's a battle hardening baby boomer thing, you know, like or an X generation thing, you know, they're like uh, uh, it's a corporal punishment thing, you know, it's 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 taboo, mm. it's not right. 
But the people that come out of that institution, 90% of them are really awesome and can do a lot of shit, but 10 of, 10% of them deserve compensation for their treatment. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know if I agree, because I reckon there's like two kinds of people in the world or whatever, and there's the people like, well, I went through this, so so should you. Mm. And then there's the other people that are like, well, I went through this, so you shouldn't have to. And I kind of prefer the latter rather than the former. I like that. And oh, shit, man. I've uh, lost my camera. Oh, no. All right, we're going to pause. We'll pause. Okay. There are two types of people. The ones that say, well, I went through this, so you had to go. You have to as well. Yeah. And then there's the other the other, other group of people which are like, well, I went through this, so you don't have, you shouldn't have to. Um, and I personally prefer the latter because it's like, well, why should you? Why is suffering why like a prerequisite? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Why do I have to suffer punishment mm. because you did? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you brought me across on that. Mm. Um, that that is true. There are, and, and and I think those decisions are made out of um, like most decisions. I think that is made out of fear and love. Yeah. Um, I think the fear is like, well, I had to go through it, so you have to go through it. So you need to be battle hardened the way that I'm battle hardened. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that makes sense, and us. Especially in the transition and the, the balance of our times. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what we're going through. I think that's evident across the civil movements that we're experiencing. Mm. The, uh, you know, the, the little guy standing up. Um, and I think, yes, we're in, this, we're in this phase that no one knows what it is. Mm, mm. Ten years ago, no one knew what it is. And now we certainly <laughs> don't know what it is. And I think um, when we start getting into, um, like even uh, these AIs like ChatGTP and... Mm. Uh, I, I I went into chat sheet, uh, GTP and I tried to get it to write me a script mm. and it did. Okay. It was a shitty script but easily editable. So then you can go through and edit it and make it mm. make it have pizzazz. So it can give you a basic structure. You can give it all your characters, all the scenes. Well, give it a list. Look, uh, it should always... It, it could be used as a tool. Mm. Like, you know, um, and it should never actually be used to write scripts and I think that's what the... I don't want to talk on behalf of the Writers Guild of America. Mm. I think that's what they're up in arms about because there is the potential there. Mm. And I'll be honest, I saw it years ago or whatever. Like, and we, we saw Where it. Where did you the, see? Yeah, you've seen it before. Well, we've yeah, both seen it before. Yeah, but like years ago, that was that whole. Th- Remember, they were making short films so that AI wrote the script yeah. or whatever, and they made a movie out of it. Thank you, yeah. sir. And. Um, they were all like really funny because nothing made made sense. Yeah. Like I remember someone did AI like Harry Potter, a Harry Potter book wrote, mm-hmm. it, wrote itself, and then Hermione started literally eating her own head or something. There was something <laughs> stupid in that. But I looked at it. and I'm like, no, this is this is not good. This this is gonna get to a point where it's like really fucking good and people will lose jobs. I don't think that the writers will ever be um be made obsolete. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think don't think the artists will, no. I think there's some technical jobs. I I have a gut feeling that, you know, <coughs> dialogue processes in mm. sound design, they're going to go because AI is going to make, like, you know, uh, a template mm. of all these actors' voices and and be able to work out the proper intonation, mm. um, everything, um, just out of this catalogue and then just be able to do that. Like, ADR is going to be a thing of the past, mm. I have a feeling. If it isn't already, yeah. that's oh, Well, that's bad happen. for me. I'll make a little bit of money out of ADR. Uh, but, uh, oh, and Foley. But I don't think Foley's going, aw- no. going away. No, Foley's not going away. But uh, with that said, you know, I, I just think um, if I reflect to the music industry, mm. right, you you as a drummer would know this, right? Like, mm. this is what I thought you were saying before. Like, um, drum machines came out and that people go, well, what do you need a drummer if you can just do a drum machine? But what it did was it changed producers. So you'd mm. have producer drums versus um, human drums. Yeah. And there's some things that can be performed live mm. and there's some things that can't. Yeah. It's just, they're not possible to do live. 
and that's that's creeped across all genres from heavy metal to R and B. Man, like it's oh, it, yeah, it, th- th- those beats exist. There's actually um. Uh, I think her name's Africa Green. I follow her online. She's a drummer okay. that um, tries to do pr- um, um, producer drum beats and replicate them as a drummer. Okay. So she tries to do the war against the producer. Mm. Who can win, the drummer or the producer? And I think I think she's got a ratio about seventy thirty. Okay. She, she gets them seventy percent of the time. Those are still pretty good odds, right there. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you can add the machine. Mm. You can add that machine to. This um, uh, as as a, a supply of medium, right? You can create drum beats. I've even been suspect of some uh, suspect of some uh, hits that have been out. I go, that sounds like a Fruity Loops random uh, <laughs> randomization, man. Like they just randomised that and they made that a song, surely. And I think uh, those things have have occurred already mm. in art. Um, and and as well, if you look at um, plagiarism as mm. a whole, um, Shakespeare apparently. He's supposed to have all the original stories, right? But uh, you know, when they historians dig deep, apparently uh, a lot of these were written. A lot of these stories were written by his understudies. Yeah, and he just put his badge on it. Okay. Go, go, it came out of my writing house. That's my story. It goes back even further. I think we were talking about off air about uh, yeah. the Bible and a lot of the stories in that and, and mm. Christianity. A lot of the, you know, uh, the the verses and such were adapted from other myths that existed before um, so uh, is there any way that we can sue people that own the bible for plagiarism <laughs> is where we're going with this is, can we do that <laughs> uh, I mean, we could try <laughs> probably make a monster that's for sure oh man if they went after the guys that uh, what was it um i saw it today um uh, blurred lines mm-hmm. oh okay. what was it robin thick of uh, robert Ro- thick or something robert like? thick yeah, yeah yeah and they had, had no melodic similarity mm. no rhythm similarity mm. no baseline similarity mm. literally had no similarity <laughs> But they got, what, a $150 million payout? And yeah, the, wow. But that's based on an argument of ownership, right? Mm. Where the ownership doesn't fit. I think the saddest one I ever heard about, actually, was um, uh, Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gun Oh, Tree. yeah, yeah. It was um, tragic. Mm. Um, what was that? Um, uh, Live, Land Down Under Land by Down the Under. Man at Work. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it had the flute the flute mm. um, uh, solo in it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he, I think he topped himself after that. I don't know if he topped himself, but he definitely got really sick after it. And the stress of the court battle mm. and having to lose 50% of the fun, like, sorry, of the earnings of that was colossal it? track in Australian history. Yeah, I think the right word is colossal. Yeah. Like, it's, well, it is yardstick. It's in fucking every, like, not Australian movie, but every American movie about Australia ever. Like, yeah. You know? Everyone knows that song. Yeah. I've got goosebumps thinking about that song. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, and, and for... Uh, and clearly, that was it. You know, it was a breach of con- uh, it was a breach of comp- a copyright. It was also like a real coincidence that uh, that happened because it was. I think it was. Um, is, was is that it ABC show? Effect, though? Yeah, it was. Um, Tits uh, and tats, or something no, like that, uh, or uh, um, uh, Bits and Bobs, or whatever it's called. Like that show. <sighs> I know the show yeah. you're talking about. Um, uh, it's the uh, quiz show. Yeah, uh, with um, the guy from uh, Last Leg. Um, Adam Hills. Adam Hills. That's his name. Yeah, we've got the name of the guy that done the show. We've got the Spicks and Specs. That's Spicks what Spicks and Specs. Yeah. Spicks and Specs. Yeah. So like, we got everything before except the name. Yeah. There you go. Name of it. Yeah. But he did it as a question. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was what rolled out of it. So two lawyers gone. You know, we we can make some money here, and like no artistic merit whatsoever mm. in the argument. Here's a here's a legal argument that we can make a couple of million dollars and destroy someone's life. Yeah. And uh, it happened, unfortunately. Yeah, but you know we, these cases exist. Mm. That's my point. Like, and 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 when I look at like um, AI art, you know, uh, looking at oh, jeez, what's going on here? What are you doing, buddy? Is that better? That's better. There we go. That's better. I was getting a bit of hissy there, wasn't it? <laughs> um, 
yeah, uh, when you look at the AI, um, it's uh, I think it's just another one of those producer things, like mm. you know, automatic drums. Um, you know, uh, people that put um, randomized words into word generators. Like, I remember I was trying to name a band once. I was putting it into a word generator. Mm. It's a bad way to name a band. Like, but <laughs> but now I reckon if you put, I should try that on Chat GTP. Um, uh, band names. It's really fucking hard. I know mm. this guy Tom is mm. in this band. His band's called Ninety Ivy. And they, it's a mad name. he was telling me they went through something like six hundred band names until they found something that wasn't fucking taken. Oh ever, wow! You know, wow, that's really hard to do. Yeah. It is hard to do. Um, uh, there's bands that I've been in that we've gone fuck it. I don't care. We want this name. Mm. Uh, the w- one that really bothered me actually is uh, we watched a show called um, uh, Regular Show. I loved the Regular Show back in the day. Yeah, back in the day it was mad, right? It's still mad now. Uh, and there's a character in it called Mordecai. Yeah. They're like, that's a mad band name, man, Mordecai. Oh, metal name. Right, we go, oh, there's a band in Can- Canada that's Mordecai. Right? Dude, no. Dude, this has ruined <laughs> me. I actually have a really good band name at the moment, but I'm not going to let it out on this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've got a project in the back of my mind. I told my wife the other day, like, mm-hmm. I know I've got to make these like films that are coming up. I know I've got to be an EP on this thing. I've got to do the festival. We've got to launch, you know, continue launching the business. However, <laughs> I think I need to start another studio and another band. Mm. She goes, it's not going to make us any money. I'm like, but that's what everyone ever, everyone ever has ever said to me about performing music. Mm. Because you talk about the lunacy of being in a band, right? Oh, yeah. It's fucking lunacy. Mm. It's like herding cats. That's a perfect way to say it. Um, but I still want to do it. I still want to perform like... Um, uh, but I guess there's one way I do get my licks other ways. I, I've I've been like performing on stage and screaming into a microphone is I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like maybe it's like surfing a little bit. It's like catching a wave. Okay, you, know? you, you can bomb. Mm-hmm. You can you can crash out on that wave. If you don't do it right. But if you get your fitness up and you choose the right wave, you can have an awesome time. Okay. Um, and and that's with the crowd. That's with your bands. That's with the situation. Um, and when you surf that wave, you go, well, I'm just going to paddle out and go get me another. right? And it has that feeling to it. And I suppose the other feeling I've had is performing on screen. Mm, mm. Uh, there was a relationship between those things because the guy that you talk to that was on stage is not the guy that you're talking to now. It's a mm. very fight club mentality. Mm. You know, the performer that, you know, you know what it's like when you're in the flow as a drummer? Yeah, like, yeah. You're not you. No, no. Just you're this other robot. thing. <laughs> you're this other thing. Yeah. Uh, actually, speaking of drums, man, um, I, I've always asked this of drummers, and I'm going to ask you because I always end up with drummers on my show. I don't know how that works. Okay. I don't know how that works. Um, click tracks, right? Do you do live shows with a click track? No, never. Never done that. Never, 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 never done. No, never done a click track once. I know some drummers really like to or whatever, but I just prefer it's it's messy. It's I think the 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 human ear or whatever the wants some sort of uh, I don't want to. I can't find the word for it, but like uh, lack of continuity. Mm. Like there, there is going to be a little the bit. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be different every time. Yeah, um, a little bit. And that's just how it is, you know. I, I personally think that's that's great. It's never gonna. You're never gonna have you, everybody. Every drummer mm. has their own little sort of. I can't say circadian rhythm. That's about you know, but they have their own rhythm. Yeah, have their own little BPM or whatever that goes yeah. in their head that they'll they'll play into or whatever. Yeah, when they visualize rhythm. Mm. What's well, it's strange when you do uh, when you say that as well because I, I can't be saying it's about um, uh, other experiences other than the rhythm that tie into the rhythm mm. and everyone has that differently. Yeah, like, I do that with uh, vocal lines. Yeah, um, I think I was doing um, uh, today. I was doing a sweet child of mine in a um, 
uh, a medium guttural vocal. Yeah, okay. Um, How so, did that go? Awesome. I had a really good time. Because um, when you flex, it's kind of when you flex that thing. It's kind of when you do the drums. It's just mm. there's this thing that's coming out of your body. And you've got this idea in your head. And it's coming mm. out of your hands, coming out of your feet. When I do, and I find a relationship between writing as well. When I write, it's coming out of my hands. When, when I sing, it, it's coming out of my, um, my 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 torso. Yeah. The torso is the instrument. When you really do those guttural vocals, um, the diaphragm to be specific, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. you really got to you got to work it, man. Mm. It's not just about you know. If you try to scream and yell, it's not yelling. Mm. It's 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 more like a a gritty yodel. If there's mm. another way to put it, you know, it's a gritty yodel. Yodely. Yeah, you you know, you know, um, you, know you, you you have to have uh, the ability to bend note. Mm. So you got to have a um, you got to have a tone. You got to get into the tone. You got to bend the tone, man. Mm-hmm. And you got to bend between notes. Um, and, and you know, you can flex those notes with a with a root note or off a root note. You know, you mm. can be offset or onset. You know, and uh, yeah, it's doing sweet child of mine, man. I um, yeah, doing transitions when I. When you go from a, a high end and then you get to a low end, mm. there's a, the, at the end of the song, there's a, a part where that, that, that can be achieved because, no, no, that's Sweet Child of Mine. What was I talking about? So, no, um, I forgot the fuck. I fucked this up. <laughs> I fucked this up. It's uh, November Rain. I was November doing November Rain. Rain. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. I was doing November Rain. At the end of November Rain, when there's these transitions that um, Axl Rose does and you're like, and I achieved it, but I did it in my own way. Mm. I'm like, oh man, it's kind of like doing a grind on a skateboard. You know, like you have a transition, and you're like, and you land it, like, yeah. You know, mm. you just, you just fucking, yeah. I know that. For the drama thing, is that when you land a fill, it's yeah. so it can be so easy to fuck those up, especially if mm. you got something sort of semi-technical. Yeah. But yeah, like if you just land it, you get through that. That's when you land, like you know, the skateboard trick. And that that transition, oh, hundred percent, yeah. getting between those two compartments, man. Mm. And, and and you can do when I do that with voice, I just find that, um, oh, man. Even talking about, I'm like. I'm going to go do some singing after mm. this, you know. Um, I just find that uh, highly... I, I'm highly obsessed about it. I'm mm. obsessed about um, noise coming out my face, you know. I, I like the sound of my own voice. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, hence why I've got a podcast with my name in it. But, you know, <laughs> to get around the silliness of that, um, I, you know, I, I, I just... I, th- I think about it day and night. I think about surfing day and night and I mm. think about making films day and night. I can't get stories out of my head. Mm. The only way I can fix that problem is by getting on a set and directing a performance or mm. getting on set and doing a performance. Mm. Mm. So the transition for me is um, getting out of music and getting into film. But I don't want to forget the angry man on stage, that mm. guy that created mosh pits, that guy that um, lost himself so far that he didn't know what he was anymore. Mm. And then after that came back and was like, fuck, that was good. I mm. don't even know what happened, but I feel good. And you go back and watch the footage of it, and you're like, shit, man. Mm. Shit. That, I, that's incredible. I know what you mean, though. Like, at the end of the day, you're just, you're just, a, you're just an artist. You know, you're not just a writer. You're a director. You're a musician. You're a singer. Mm. You're a vocalist. You probably have done a stint in stand-up comedy and stuff like that. Mm. It's, just, it's just all this creative. You live to be creative. And that, that's, that's absolutely... That's fucking awesome or whatever. Yeah. I don't see why there's like that single trajectory. Like you've got to just be this. Most people I know, yeah. like, like Matt Vella, producer, like that's working with me, a director. And f- Big awesome shout out, Matt. Love you, Matt. He's a great guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, he like bouncing between like, you know, being a filmmaker and such and also music and, and uh, stand up comedy mm. and podcasting and stuff like that. It's like, well, look, we're just filling our lives with stuff that makes 
us feel ourselves. It makes us mm. feel like, you know, uh, we're, we're creating something. Yeah. We, if we were all just, you know, uh, doing something like, I used to stack shelves. At yeah. a big department store, man. What was the department store, can I ask? Yeah, it was Big W. I did Big W, man! Hey, 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 yeah, Big W, brothers! Uh, yeah. Um, I was in like Nightfield at fucking yeah, Big W. Yeah, what one? I was in Campbelltown. Oh, okay, I was in Blacktown. Anyways. This is fucking insane, man. Crazy. Fuck yeah, Nightfield. Did Hot, you guys, higher, did we call it, well. did, we, did you call it Bijouard? Bijouard? No, I didn't no. call it that. Okay. So there's a little Tajay and all that sort of stuff. Bijouard. Oh, you called it Bijouard. I like that. That's why we call it fancy. But yeah, anyway, fancy. Yeah, yeah. that's how I find my first feature film, man. Like, I just stacked shelves for fucking seven years and then bought, yeah. and then just put whatever money into that. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't know what we were talking about. I mean, I'm totally lost in the fact that we were both doing Nightfill at fucking Big W yeah. at different periods of the fucking, uh, while the earth is turning. Crazy. And we're both taking that money and putting it into <laughs> art. There you go. I guess it was my first producer when you think about it. Anyway. Yeah, I was paying for the band, the first band through, um, because I would have been like 17, Mm. 18 when I started at Big W. Yeah, man. I um, I was putting that money into the band. Mm. I was doing the same thing. Like, Mm. we recorded um, an EP and and an album and such like that just on Mm. Big W money. So. There you go. It's totally possible, man. But that's the thing, Capitalism. right? You got you could have could have feed the monkey, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A game with the film, man. You know, like I just try to get what I try to do these days is get the gear to pay for itself. Yeah. So the pay to train, man. I go and do streaming services for people. Pays for itself. Mm. If I got paid for the pay to train one day, that'd be fucking awesome. But I'm not focused on that. I'm I'm focused on the the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, having conversations and and learning stuff, man, and and, and finding resonance. Um, and this was, this is a mad interview because like, I was talking, when I was thinking about it, man, the, the, the journey of a musician mm. and the journey of a director or a, a, a DOP or an actor, they're very similar. Mm. They're very similar in nature. It has the, um, the, the, the hallmarks that I look at is it has, like a performer on stage, right? Has the, it, it, it's a paradox. You are selfish mm. because I go, I love doing this. I loved it. This is for mm. me. Mm. Mm. But there's a part of you that's like, well, I don't want to do this just for me. Mm. I want to ent- I want to entertain people. Yeah. I want people to be excited about this content. And there's that moment in film where as the when you're on stage as a performer, you don't see the crowd mm. unless someone's filming the crowd and you go and watch it later. As a filmmaker, you're sitting in the crowd watching people watch your work. Mm. Mm. And that's where I find we're talking about the the, uh, the drain of doing music because mm. you do the show after show you've got to go and load up set up drums set up everything deal with a sound guy oh, which is God. always fucking horrible yeah. <laughs> deal with a promoter that's trying to rip you off mm. um, deal with a venue that doesn't want to pay you um, and uh, dealing with an audience that always isn't receptive right mm. so you've got to win a lot of people over all the time it's fucking draining and you never do you never do yeah. unfortunately you just That's don't just ultimately in Sydney you don't mm. you just don't yeah you're right um, you feel like you do but ultimately you don't no. filmmaking though totally different mm. Mm. same deal it's the same deal but I think the, the performance part's removed because you've done the hard work in producing it mm. directing it mm. shooting it acting in it the work's done all we need to do now is market the thing that we've built Mm. When you're in a band, you've got to build the content and then constantly market the content that you're reproducing over and over and over again. Mm. With film, you go out and you make another movie. Yeah. Right? We just make another short. Mm. And they're your singles, right? Mm. And we're trying to get to the album, which is the feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what we all want. I want to go work. Every, anyone I talk to, we all want the feature. Yeah, yeah. Whether Absolutely. it's 
horror film, whether it's a um, a documentary, whether it's a, a drama, we all want the feature. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And, like, as a person that's made a feature film before, my, like, biggest piece of unsolicited advice... <laughs> Is, uh, Allow me to solicit it. What's your best, uh, best piece of advice oh, for making a feature? Oh, thank you for asking. I never thought yeah. you would. Um, <laughs> but it's just, go, don't ask for permission. Just go out and do it, you know? Like, don't get me Great wrong. Advice. Like, it, Great advice. Don't get me wrong. Like, um, like budget does matter and, and all that sort of stuff. But Stay there's within your realm. Stay, Stay within, within your realm. realm. You know, but yeah, like you can't, you won't get off of making a $15 million feature film off the bat. Um, that's just not really likely, unless you're like Dad Steven yeah, Spielberg. Unless you're born or to it, like yeah. That. Unless you you're know, born and nepotism to it. is a real thing. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> you yeah, were artists in Western Sydney. We're doing it best. Oh, the word. like the opposite of nepotism. What is that? Like gatekeeping or something yeah, like I that. Anyways, know. I don't know. Well, I guess look on that topic, though, man. On that topic, Luke. Mm. Like that's what I like about Western Sydney artists, man. Mm. That's what I like about us. If you go back ten years. Um, uh, um, alternative music aside, alternative music were very, you know, mm. they go, well, this is who we are, deal with it, right? And they took an aggressive posture in marketing mm. their content. Mm. If you look at the film community in Western Sydney, I see something different. And what I see is, um, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad to have been a, 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 a beacon and proponent of this, is that don't apologise for your postcode. Don't apologise no. for your background. Mm. Um, don't apologise for your family's second language. Don't apologise for your social economical background. Don't apologise for where you come from. That's actually the thing. Mm. You should lean into that. 100%, yeah. That's not the only thing you should do. Don't get me wrong, you should do a, a, a vast many things. But what you should not do is shy away from your heritage and shy mm. away from your postcode and shy away from your haircut, shy away from the way that you present yourself to the world. That's the way that you are. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact... Um, if you look at Western Sydney content, way more marketable than anywhere else in the country. Mm, mm. Maybe Western Melbourne as a comparison. Maybe. Um, if you look at Gold Coast content, if you look at uh, West, uh, Western Australian content, if you look at um, uh, Sydney CBD content, a lot of similarities, right? Mm. If you look at the contrast of content that's out this way, the film clips that are happening, the short films that are happening in drama, horror, um, uh, action, mm. all very different. Oh, yeah, 100%. Or uh, I can't, you cannot, like, I try to predict it when I watch this. Like, I watch probably 100 short films a year from Western Sydney, right? Mm. Try to predict it. You can't. It's literally impossible. Mm. But when I get one from uh, certain parts of the uh, the city, I go, oh, I know what this story is. Mm. Uh, I dare say this is going to be Blonde Damsel in Distress. (laughs) And it's going to be this heroic guy that didn't do the choreography on his fight scenes correctly. Mm. He didn't hire the right guy. Uh, He hired his friend to do it and it didn't work out. Mm. uh, I see where it's coming from. When I I try to predict who wins Made in the West, impossible. Mm. It's fucking impossible. Mm. Um, To to see the contrast of what we get delivered every year, impossible. Mm. It's literally impossible. Oh, yeah. Um, And... The, the strange experience that I have is watching this content from being the backyard tinkerer on top of, you know, uh, uh, milk crates in a dilapidated cinema mm. to being in an event cinema on a $4 million projector. Mm. The contrast that I see in that space is that um, it all is a trajectory to international content that is original, which is mm. really hard to do. Mm. The, the originality that I see that comes out, um, and it's organic too. Mm. You don't have to try. Well... That's one thing that I noticed, especially from the selection from your um, from the, from the last year, I should say, or whatever. Like mm. you can, you can sort of always. It's a weird thing. You can always tell when some, dare I say, like an outsider has come in and told like a poverty porn story, 
and such, and like it's looking down yeah. on the West yeah. and such. But an authentic Western Sydney story or whatever is authentic Western Sydney. Yeah, poverty porn. Yeah, and I know what you're saying. You were sort of like I, I, I'm sort of sidestepping that little bit, but there is bit a bit more of a film community out here, mm. whereas in the eastern suburbs and such, it feels more like a film competition. Don't get me wrong, we still want to get jobs, we still want to get paid to work yeah. or whatever, but we're a bit more supportive out here. And yeah. I, I don't think it just carries on from the film community. I I used to go to University of Sydney. Mm-hmm. It was like probably some of the worst six months of my life. Okay. I'm not afraid to talk uh, yeah. about it in the same fact that it was very kind of alienating. Mm. A lot of people were like, well, what are you doing here? Mm. It was very hard to make friends. Yeah. As soon as you found out, they found out you were from Western Sydney. A lot of people wouldn't be interested in Stigma you. straight up. Mm. Stigma straight up. And I went to UTS, like, you know, down the road because or whatever, you live, and that you, was you, you, fine. Live, you live in a housing commission that is next to a crack dealer. Um, Apparently, and shootings happen every fucking day yeah, of the week. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And oh, I've been have... shot twice. Yeah, yeah, you've been that's shot a twice, right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, but that's the stigma, man. Yeah. That's the stigma. But what, what I'm proud of is that we've eroded that. Mm. And we, we were trying to knock on their doors to get content out, right? Mm. Get filmmakers interested. And um, we're trying to get to that space. But what I realized, the lesson that I learned, man, the lesson mm. that I learned was, fuck that. Mm. Build your own house. Invite all your friends to build that house with you. Invite their friends to be invited to you know be, participate. Yeah, absolutely. Allow the cohorts to grow. You'll have your rock stars. They'll go out, start making features. They'll throw a rope back in three years' time after they finish their feature. Mm. But that doesn't mean we don't push the, the next guys through either. Mm, mm. The solidification of that for that industry is about um, communication. It is about inclusivity, but without saying inclusivity. I know this mm. sounds crazy. We do, you, you don't have to be inclusive in Western Sydney. It's really easy. It's you, already there. It's the already there. Multiculturalism's already there. It already exists. You yeah. don't have to try and do mm. that. Um, all you've got to do is base content mm. on its watchability. Can you watch that again? Mm. And when you watched it the first time, did you laugh? Did you cry? Were you interested? Were you intrigued? Would you? Yeah, and, that, and those questions bring you back to, would you watch it again? Mm. And the, the thing that blows me away about Maine the West every fucking year, man, you can't predict it, but somehow it gets better. Mm. Like it's already, it's already at the top echelon. You go, yep. can't possibly this. Yeah, you know, I know this was a good year, but it can't possibly be better next year. It's not possible. But then, some way and somehow, someone blows the fucking roof off, and usually they have a, a, a partners with them. Like they're not the only person that blew the mm. roof off. Mm. They were just the first, They were just the one that had the loudest bang. Mm. There's three people that were competing to blow that roof off, and if that other person wasn't there, those other two would have done it. Mm. Like they mm. were. That the, the, the winner of Maine the West comes down to a point. Mm. If you win Maine the West and you were runner up in Maine the West, you probably lost by one point. Mm. That's that's how tight it is. Yeah, yeah. The best the best section of Maine the West that I I argue. Uh, and I always remind people of the people that won May in the West have generally entered three or four times, mm. or uh, they're a blue flame. I call them a blue flamer. You know those people that you went to film school with, and they come out of film school like, "Oh, you're just on fire, man. There's no stopping you." Mm. They show up, they, there's, they, they, but they are far and few. Mm. General majority have submitted before, gone to that middle spectrum, lower spectrum, and eventually win. Mm. Right? Uh, everyone that's won May in the West has entered prior. Before they won. Mm. No one's ever come in and gone, I just win my West. Like, it never happened. Mm. Um, even Audience Choice Awards. Like, we had a student win the Audience Choice Award once. 
You was know. that the hello? My name is Mother Nature. No, no, no. That was uh, Towelhead. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was a UTS production, I think. Yeah, actually. man. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it spoke volumes, right? Yeah. Um, it was about um, Islamophobia, mm. but really that was the smallest part of the story. That was the context. Mm. The subtext was speaking to every artist that's ever made content ever in this region, mm. and that's why it connected. That's mm. why it fired on every cylinder. That's why it was an impactful film because it spoke to everyone in the room. Mm. Very hard thing to do. Mm. That was a blue flamer. Never made a film before. <laughs> right? That was their first film. That's a rare occasion, man. It's a solar eclipse, right? Mm, mm. The other 90, uh, 90% of the films that, that, that have been entered, like we had um, uh, uh, Blame the Ovens, right? They mm. did really well last year. Fourth time entering, first time getting a screening. Mm. You know, it took them four times to get in. That's how passionate they are. They didn't give up. Mm. And that's why I say to people, it's not the top echelon that you've got to worry about. All you want to do is get in that middle, that bottom group. Mm. Because out of films uh, that we judge, there's always four clear winners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's four, yeah, we don't know who's going to win, but it's one of those four. Yeah, or, you always know. Mm-hmm. The hard ones are the ones out of the bottom. You're like, fuck, that is so similar and so <laughs> close to each other. You're like, shit, man, they've got the same score. Mm. They're, they're tied. Mm. Then you've got to curate it. It's not yeah. about judgment. It's about curation at that point. Mm. So you go, fuck, well... Which one can we market and which one... Okay, so they... How many times this guy entered? So he's done twice. Like, that one's done three. It's their shot. Mm. They, like, they, they even score. So if you had someone that got in twice that, that didn't get in and you had someone that entered three times and didn't get in, but their films were equal score, depending on the duration, mm. you're going to select the guy that entered three. Mm-hmm. you go, man, if I don't get this guy on screen, man, he's going to run away. Mm. They're the hardest ones, man. The winners, Easy. Mm. Losers, easy. No, mm. not losers. I don't want to say it that way. The rejected films that didn't quite make it. Mm. The ones that are clearly out, technical proficiency, uh, you know, um, stories, attributes, not and all that. Yeah, something yeah. didn't qualify. Mm. And they're clear, but it's the ones in the middle. And that's what I say to people: be in the middle. Mm. That's where the juice is. You, yeah, you, you are at the raw. It's, it's, there's no more raw in it than that. That is mm. the artist space. Because when you're winning it, you're a practitioner. Oh yeah. You're making money as a. Uh, you you you're clearly making money as a commercial maker, wedding photographer, uh, wedding uh, videographer. You're making money somehow because you've learnt the craft. It's mm. like stand-up comedy or, mm. or film uh, or, or music, man. Mm, mm. Any drummer worth their salt's been doing it for ten years. Oh yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's that's minimum. You need ten thousand hours doing that shit, man. Otherwise, you can't do it. Mm, mm. Same with filmmaker, man. You you can't expect someone to be proficient on out of the gate. Yeah, no, the gate no. of filmmaking, right? I get it. And so, I I think uh, one of my films back in the day, Dead Air, was a semi-finalist, actually. And dead then, Air? You, know, you, had, you were Dead Air? I was Dead Air. You were Dead Air. So, that was a mad film because you'd done it in the radio. Oh, of course, the radio station. Yeah, there you go. Oh. It all makes sense. It all comes together. It all makes together. sense. It all comes together. But, but no, you're right. Like, and when, like... Um, Things that go bump. Thank you. When things that go bump got into the festival, I was like, "Over the fucking moon!" I'm like, "This, this is my second time. This is the second shot." I kind of, I kind of get it. I, mm. I do get it. Like, you know, you're right. There's this flash. I don't want to say, um, lightning in a bottle. In I don't want to say flash in the pen. Lightning in a bottle. It is films, lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You know where it's like, oh, this is. Some people have their first film and it's fucking fantastic. Like, yeah. It just, it just hit. Know, it, it just, just stuck. Hits. And yeah. such. And then other times, it's, it's kind of a gradual progression. And, and I, I honestly get that. Um. But I don't know, man. At the same time, I made a feature... I think we discussed it feature film a few years back or whatever, and I'm recutting it now because it yeah. didn't, do, didn't fare too well like on the on the festival circuit yeah. and such. Um, 
but I sort of realized as well is that you're kind of vying for a big, bigger part of the festival program mm. than what you would be with a short film. Like, totally. don't get me wrong, there are less short films being, sorry, feature films being made, but um, a feature film is going to take up more of a program, so it's going to be a bit more selective yeah. at the same time. So. Yeah, totally. But there's nothing wrong with a BC-rated release. And Mm. and, 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 and looking at that, right, you go, well, it didn't make the festival circuit, right? So Mm. you'd be disheartened by that, right? You go, oh, shit, man, I worked really hard on that. Mm. I sort of get a bit more attention. Um, I say to people, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Like, you made a feature film that just before it's won awards Mm. on your resume... It, That's uh, mad. But you know, this is the issue though, where tall poppy syndrome comes in in this country. No mm. one gives a shit that you've made a feature film, mm. um, because I don't know. I just uh, obviously like was just, we were discussing about how um, accessible it is mm. or how accessible it was before, mm. and they're like, "That's great," but at the same time, it's like um, the people are expecting a level of qu- uh, quality. People yeah, are yeah. expecting stars. They do have expectations, um, and yeah, and that's really unfortunate. But. Doesn't matter. It was the best fucking film school I ever had, man. Like that was great. I made it on a on a shoestring budget or whatever, mm. and I got another people together that were passionate enough to help me yeah. make it. And I'm really fucking grateful for that. And even though, like you know, it didn't turn out. Um, I stand by it. I stand by it. Like mm. it was a great like little indie feature film or whatever. It's yeah. still better than a lot of the other ones I've seen. Um, but, like, it was a great fucking film school, man. Mm. It was a great... I do just recommend anyone to go out and just do it. And people like Dave O'Hardy are doing it, like, constantly. Yeah, Dave People like Heath really Davis. Good. Have you had Heath Davis? Yeah, I haven't, he won't come on the show. He's hard man to reach. He's very hard man to reach. I okay. had him on as... Um, uh, he's been a uh, judge for Made in the West. Mm-hmm. And he just launched, actually, a film festival. Yeah, okay. I didn't which know was that. called the uh, Inner West Fests. So that was does, him? Yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's Heath Davis, yeah. yeah. But I'd love to get him on the show. Heath, if you're listening, man, give me a call. I've reached out a few times, but he's always busy. See, Matt and I pitched our, um, my, my next feature, mm. actually, um, which is going to be called The Undesirable. Yeah. Keep watching. Um, I've but, heard a lot about this, actually. Uh, really? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we actually pitched it at the Inner West Festival. So I didn't know Heath was a part of it. I don't know him personally. It's actually a little funny story. I was supposed to be filling in for the Soundie on his, last, on his most recent mm. movie, Christmas, and I got fucking covid yeah, on the day of, dude. and I felt so bad. At 6 a.m., I was supposed to be there at like 7.30 or something like that. Yeah. And I had to call up the producer and just say, I've got COVID, man. I can't come to see. Yeah, I can't do it, man. Yeah. Well, no, Heath has been quite successful. He did um, uh, Book Week, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, still playing on stand if you want to go check it out. Very good movie. It's very a good funny movie, movie, actually. Yeah, it's fun. Um, uh, he did Broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a football film about a, um, a, dis- um, a disgraced football star. Uh, Steve Lamarckand uh, was his main guy. Mm-hmm. Is that another one, another Christmas film? I can't remember the name of it. Also with Steve Lamarckand, that will be coming out soon. Yeah, Christmas. That's what it's called. Is Christmas. That, it's called Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's got Steve Lamarckand. That's coming out soon. Um, He's so done he, a bunch of things, hasn't he? So yeah, man. Yeah. Well, so you see, with Heath and you know the, another guy that um, I, I uh, like to talk about is Michael Budd. Okay. So he's another director. He did. Um, sorry, Michael, I forgot the name of your movie. You had you on a few weeks ago, uh, but he's uh, you know he's on. Uh, I think he's on Stan and uh, Paramount for mm-hmm. his film. It's about a lady that had Alzheimer's disease. Uh, okay. They shot it in. Um, uh, uh, New Zealand, I think they shot it in. Um, another another great film, man, but another judge on Made in the West, right? So uh, we get these guys to judge these films. Mm. Uh, but there's people that come out of this space that are doing things on the scene is, is, is where I'm going with that. You know, it's not unachievable. Mm, mm. The, the, it's, it takes work and it takes, it takes a little bit of no. You've got mm. to handle, you've got to be able, you've got to have a rhino skin, man. Um, not everyone's going to want to fund your film. Oh, right? yeah. No, no one's going to believe in you. You got to fund a few things on your own too. Mm, mm, absolutely. You got to pay for it. 
Even um, Stanley Kubrick and such, I think he funded his first film on his own. And yeah. then he got his friends and family to fund his second one. I think it was called The Killer's Kiss or something. Yeah, and then he was uh, an Stan- empire. No, sorry, I said Stanley fucking Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the cameras is dead. Oh, no. Oh, not again. Shit, man. It's killing me. This is killing me. <laughs> Funding your film and all that. And how you have to invest in it yourself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and even people like uh, Stephen King, Christopher, not Stephen King, Stephen, Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Christopher, Kubrick. Christopher Nolan, um, mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez, you know, all the usual suspects had to all fund indies. it. They're all indies. They're all indies. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like it can somewhat be, um, I don't want to say disenchanting, but they were also lightning in a bottle films, a lot of them. Yeah, um, yeah but those, they, 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 those kind of dudes or, or, or people, mm. I should say, require that uh will demand or no not demand but command that kind of attention mm, mm. <laughs> i almost had it <laughs> no, that's all right but you know absolutely right or whatever and like don't get me wrong they were very talented in their own ways at the time and mm. unfortunately the time is different but when i was making my feature film i printed out like a little document like you know with just their names in big bold letters mm. and just stuck it on my wall and just looked at it every morning yeah. before i'd go to set or whatever and just be like if they can fucking do it you can do it. Doesn't mm. matter how good or how bad your movie is. Just the fact that you've done it is just, you know, it's a feat in itself or whatever half the time. Well, how many days did it take you to shoot the feature? So I think it took twenty four days, something like that. Yeah, that's, um, in, that's in the that's in the scope. Yeah. Yeah, and we shot it mostly. How many locations? So, oh, geez, I don't even know. It was probably over, over ten. 20, over ten or over twenty? Over ten. Over ten. Yeah. Um, we shot mostly in blocks from like Fridays to Sundays. Um, most of the time, like evening, like most of the film was set at night, mm-hmm. so we kind of had the benefit of that. Other times, we shot day for night, so we blocked out windows. Yeah, and then day shooting that. is horrible. <laughs> at the end of the day, like sometimes you just the, I mean, birds and stuff suck, but at the same time, crickets and stuff suck, and yeah. you know they can That's appear true, at any yeah. time of day. But it, you know, hey, man, I do ADR good. services. You ever have that? Uh, <laughs> ever have that problem? Do some ADR for you. Uh, I might out. have to hit do you some, up. Do some foley. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just actually just we won't even get the real actors in. We'll just get you in to just ADR it, and yeah, hopefully I the can, audience. I can be notice. them. I can be them. Yeah. No one will know. No <laughs> it can be anybody. Oh, dude, I've got I've got I've got a confession to make. I've made yep. this confession once before on the uh, the page train. Mm. Two thousand and twenty. Okay. So I I have certain clips that I do through the year that are my I call them flagship. Mm-hmm. Clips like um, these are clips that I aggregate off. Yeah, that uh, require attention. Mm-hmm. That also promote the next cohort, and also when you're going for funding and you're confirming with clients, you're like, well, this is what we do. Yeah. So that the quick point, like, shouldn't need a clip. Bang. Uh, watch that. You'll understand what we do. All right. 2020. The uh, producer didn't roll the audio. So they had a Zoom, because we had to do different mics because yep. of COVID, right? Mm. Couldn't do the same mic, so I had to do different mics. So I had to do a separate system for, you know, normally I just record straight to camera for something mm. like that, right? Had issue technical issues with that between two film crews. So I'm like, okay, Zoom recorders, mm. and I'll take camera mic mm-hmm. and then sync it later. Yeah. Not a problem, right? Mm. That's what you That's, that's what, what I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. Uh, on Zoom, when you push the record button, it'll flash, right? That's armed, not recording. You need to push it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, that's on a Zoom F, uh, H4N. H4. Yeah, H- yeah. H4. Yeah. H4. H4N, I think, yeah. Yeah, H4N, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, H4N, you have to arm it mm. and then fire it. Mm. It doesn't just record like a camera where you just yeah. 
The Zoom H5 and all that, and uh, like I use a Zoom F4. Mm. That just like records and just bang. Oh, you just roll it yeah. in your speeding and you're on your way. Yeah, yeah I not, don't know why the H4N does the other. Doesn't way. do it that way. Yeah. And uh, I didn't tell my producer that it's not his fault. Yeah, uh, he had a red light okay. flashing and a red light flashing. If you work at you know in TV, red light flashing tells you that that's recording. Mm. That's so unfortunate. I've got all of the content. So I've got five minutes of content, which is my flagship clip, which, you know, just a quick estimation, you know, it's between 10, 20 mm. grand worth. If you look over the estimates of it, it's probably worth more than that because mm. it's the advertisement for the following festival, yada, yada. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's my biggest clip of the fucking year. I don't have the audio for it. So I rang everyone I interviewed um, and the host. I got them to come in and ADR... All their interviews? All of them. Fucking hell, man. And I, I, had, I showed someone from Fox Studios this. I showed them the clip without telling them that, that it was, was ADR. That it was ADR. I go, what do you think of this clip? I go, uh, they go, oh, that was really well produced and nice. It was a good little promotional package. I go, oh, what about the technical attributes? Did you... Uh, they go, oh, it was, you know, it was you know, good color correction. I said, what about the sound? What do you think of the sound? So, oh, yeah, no, it was well, well recorded, actually. I'm like, ADR, bro. <laughs> He's like, fuck off. That's ADR. If you guys don't believe me, go and check out the 2020 clip highlights for the Main the West Film Festival. The whole thing is ADR. And in fact, I foleyed all of the background as well. Wow, that's impressive. I'm going to have to check that out myself. Dude, dude. Oh, I actually, I'll try, see if I can bring it up. I'll bring okay, it up. Right, I'll let's... bring it up because like, now, I'm, now I'm boasting about it. I'll bring it up. Uh, let's, uh, see, it if up. you did show me though, like you showed the Fox guy, yeah. that it wasn't ADR... You know, it's going to be harder now. It's going to be harder now, but I'll, let me let me show you. I'll show you. All right. Uh, I'll bring it up. All right. Uh, hold on. What camera am I on? I don't know what camera I'm on. I'm on me. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, stay on me. Stay on me. It's all about me. Stay with me. <laughs> am I logged in? Uh, I'm not logged in. All right. Uh, so, made in the West. Bring it up, bro. There we go. I've obviously searched that before. Let's go. All right. So, uh, let's just hop in. Oh, that's playing. Oh, oh, no sound. Why not no sound? You're muted? Welcome. Alright. That one's not the one. Alright. That sucker there. There it is. 2020. Alright, let me just uh, switch this over. Let's get this going. There we go. Welcome to the 2020 Made in the West Film Festival. Yeah, no, I can't tell. It's ADR. Yeah, wow. That's really impressive. You hear the background? Yeah. All of it's following. I saw Luke Walker walking yeah. by in the background. Walking. Luke Walker walking. So let me yeah, just cut in further. There we go. This is my ADR. There he is. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking impressive, actually. What did you record it on? Like, obviously, you've right got here. a dynamic mic. Right here. Did you use the same like, dynamic mic? No, no. No, no. I use that mic there. That's my uh, VO uh, mic. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's all VO mic. Uh, Rode. That's a Rode. Uh, I think it's a N97. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I've given you a place to live. Yeah. Boom, baby. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, uh, that film, that film. Oh, what was it called? Gollum. Gollum. Yeah. Yeah. I made a movie called Promise, and I released it around the same time, and it's just fucking like it. Yeah. What a coincidence. Yeah, man. Um. Oh, look, uh, Gollum. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Couchy, man. Yeah. Um. He was doing stop motion for that. Um. Yeah, a lot of lot <laughs> I of. Heavy- show you promise, man. It's like it's a very very similar plot. Can I? Have, yeah. Is it online? So search promise Axmadeus. Hold on, let me just see what camera I'm on. All right, let me just. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, give me a bit of a chat about it, and I'll uh, flick to you. Okay. Uh, 
So, uh, part of the Axe Medeus crew um, made this movie in 20... Promise? I think it was 2021 and such, and it was called Promise. It's based in Berlin in 1945, around the end of the war, just shortly before the end, actually. And um, uh, Axe Medeus? No. So, search Promise Axe Medeus. Uh, how do I spell that? A X M O. A X M O. Oh, no, no, fuck this up, bro. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. A X M O. M O. Um, space. M O space. Oh, space. D E U S. D E U S. Yep. So that's the teaser. So scroll down to the second video. A Nazi. Know. No, the next one. Oh, the, oh, the Nazi yep. officer. Yeah. Okay, all right. Let's just rock that to screen. So I made this movie in like 2021 um, as part of the Axmedeus web series, yeah. um, and it's all in German and it's basically about this you know uh, Jewish girl hiding out in um, you know uh, Nazi-occupied Berlin in this yeah. little hidey hole yeah. sort of thing. And um, around the same time we released this, uh, Ryan Couchy made his film called Gollum. Get the fuck so out of here! I'm not even joking, you know. Hey, don't tell me you're from Greystones. I'm not. I'm from Blacktown, <laughs> so pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's pity, bro. Oh man, this is very well produced, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, he did a uh, four by three for uh, for Gollum. We shot this in Oakhurst. There's a little mansion in Oakhurst. Oh, that's fucking brilliant, bro. That is killer. Look at that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's some of my best work. I'll be honest. Oh, dude, this is mint. This is mint, bro. They're really great actors as well. That's Chloe Chloe Schwank and then um, Martin Cohen. Really, really uh, back them. They're fantastic oh, actors. And Tovio, Kosti Coleman. Oh, dude. So. That was mad. Thank that you. That was fucking spectacular. I'm really impressed. Uh, have you ended this in the main of the West? Why isn't it in the main of the West? I don't know. Well, maybe because of Ryan Gouchy's Gollum <laughs> film, perhaps. <laughs> it was a poor marketing decision. Uh, okay. I don't want to get into it. But that's actually an interesting <laughs> topic. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people have similar ideas at the same time. Yeah, they do. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we were mean. talking about it before about... Um, uh, What's it called? Um, and Lend Down Under. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, Kookaburra sits in the old yeah. gum tree, yeah. But at the same time, like this isn't a case of it, but uh, do you, are you familiar with kryptonesia? No, what's kryptonesia? Okay. Kryptonesia is a... It's, I can't say it's a condition, but um, Paul McCartney got done by it a few years ago because one of his songs off press happened to be very similar to the song. I actually do know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, that's just a thing. Like sometimes you'll hear something and it'll you kind of forget about it, and then you'll think that you're making something super mm. original, and then it's just not. It already exists. It happens, it happens to me with jokes. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, when I it happens to everybody with jokes actually. Yeah, yeah. with jokes like um, there's like eighty percent of the jokes that I say mm. uh, are totally um, uh, regurgitated. You know, like um, I've heard them somewhere else before, mm, mm. but um, I'd say twenty percent of my jokes. I'm like, yeah, hey, that's, that's a Roscoe, right? And usually, I'm a punny guy. I like my, uh, you know, I find puns to be the high brow mm. of uh, of comedy, mm. and I love a good pun. And people refer to them as dad jokes, mm. um, and I like to get the ones that are, you know, the ones that are tricky where they go, oh, that's really clever. But I like to do the ones that like get that that groan reaction where they go, oh. <laughs> that's my favourite one actually. I like those ones. But um, there's been a bandwidth in there mm. where um, I've said a joke and I thought, that's fucking my baby. That's mm. my one. Mm. And then I've heard it later. I'm like, oh, that was, I heard that when I was eight. Uh, I didn't tie. Mm. Well, it was different. The premise was different. It was a little bit different. But then I, no, that was, 
generated from that thought at a subconscious level. And yeah. I think that's what that is, right? It, yeah, it is. 100%. Cryptonesia. And mm. it happens, unfortunately, because uh, stand-up comedians and such is the only sort of art form where you kind of can't um, steal. Well, um, they do. They do. They, they do. But, like, I don't know. Because there, there are sometimes when there has been actual plagiarism. But sometimes, mm-hmm. I remember Adam Hill actually had this joke where yeah. it was like, oh, um, we were talking about how the word Gert in the, mm. you know, Advanced Australia Affair and how it's kind of a weird, weird yeah. other thing. Like, you know, yeah. when cops are just like, all right, come outside. We have you, Gert. And that's his whole thing. But another comedian, like a few years later, did the exact did the same, same thing, joke. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, unfortunately, like, yeah, but they're premises. For it, but yeah, it, but premises, you can share premises. But it was the exact same joke. Unfortunately, it was most likely that mm. this other comedian just happened to think of the same. Uh, sorry, I've heard it before and then thought it was original, like their own idea. Yeah, well, it was uh, uh, Robin Williams, man. Mm. Not Robbie Williams, but Robin Williams. Mm. Um, he was known for cutting checks after events. Because he would go and do uh, impromptu speeches mm. after receiving awards mm. or um, being on... The, you know, even Robin Williams just being on the scene, like, give that guy a microphone. Mm. And it, do your thing, man. Do mm. your thing. And occasionally he'd do his thing when he's on a paid gig and he's like... Uh, and then someone come up to him in the crowd and go, that, that's my bit that you mm. just did. And he was like, uh, how about 15 grand, man? Well, that... I'm sorry. Mm. But it, and, 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 and you can look at that several ways. You can go, man, he's ripping that guy off. What an asshole. But at the same time, you go, well, he's Robin Williams, man. Like, most of the stuff that he does is off the cuff. Mm. Um, you know, he likes the, you know, he always does that. Mm. You know, he always does the uh, talking out the side of his mouth bit. But um, generally, like, he's a funny guy, man. Like, if you watch his stand-up, it's all OG. It's all mm. original. It's just when he's off the cuff, sometimes he's got to cut a check because he went a bit too far. Mm. You go, well, that's the freedom of a highly successful comedian, right? But what about the guys that are, like, at Main the West? They're the ones that are in that, that middle bandwidth. Mm. The ones that uh, made a film that was uh, a, Nazi, uh, a Nazi monster film. Like, mm. It wants to release at the same time, man. Shit. Like, shit, man. You guys aren't talking. You guys no, don't know I don't other. know. I don't know the guy personally. I, I think he's a great filmmaker. I've seen some of his stuff. I've seen Gollum. I thought that was fucking cool. Oh, dude, but it's just real coincidental, man. You know, super coincidental. But yeah. I, I, I would say as well, like, um, uh, he's doing a different thing, though, dude. He's mm. doing a different thing to you. Um, your claymation your... sort of stuff, and you know, sort of stylized nineteen sixties oh, almost. You know, not so much that. There, there, those though, there is those elements to that. Mm. But um, he's doing vertical films, man. Mm. He's he, what he's doing is really interesting. Like you're you're approaching the genre from a um, uh, indie. Uh, I want to make movies. Uh, point of view, you know, um, mm. sixteen by nine, mm. the one three five um, uh, by one ratio. You know, uh, cinematic stuff, widescreen stuff. Yeah, yeah. You want to do those widescreen stuff? He's not doing that. Mm. He's not doing that at all, man. He's literally flipping that. Mm. He's doing vertical films. So he's he's put like he's doing because he's doing grey stains, right? He got some funding from um, uh, uh, it was yeah, the Screen Australia. Yeah. Got some funding with Screen Australia. Uh, oh, that so might be what my mate Matt's working on. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Because he was yeah. talking about Grey Stains, the Grey Stains film, and I'm like... Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, Matt is a um, what they call an attachment. Yeah. So he's attached to that film, which is really weird. I, won't, I actually won't go into that on air yeah. um, because it's probably not my place. Yeah. But um, uh, th- there's relationships that you form uh, that, that me and you would do mm. on a film set. You go, well, I can only pay 60% of my crew. Um, mm. So I've got to pay the cinematographer. I'm going to pay the actors what I can. Mm. I'm going to provide food. Mm. Um, and I'm going to pay the sound guy, um, but I'm going to have attachments that I'm not going to pay. Like, mm. That just happens at some level of filmmaking. Mm. Um, there's other films that, don't get me wrong, there's other films I do, everyone's paid on the crew. Yeah. Uh, but there's other uh, events that I do that that's, 
there's 10% of the people there that are on a volunteer basis. They're just getting into the industry. Um, you give them everything you can, but you go, well, you, you don't have resume, man. Mm. So you don't, you're not offering anything. We're, we're offering you. Mm. Uh, so that line is quite blurred once you start getting government funding. You can't have volunteers. Well, that's the thing as well. I'm very much aware of that. If mm. your stuff is considered under budgeted, mm. they will not help you. Um, no, and no, that's no. at the same time, I sort of get it. Because I get at it. At the same time, like people out West, people that come from a working class background mm. might not have access to family that are lawyers mm. and engineers mm. and doctors and such. So I personally think it's quite... It's community-based. It's community-based. Mm. I want to say... Like, and metocracy-based as well. It's yeah. metocracy, right? See, we were talking about this before, tall poppy syndrome, right? Yeah. So tall poppy syndrome is based on that metocracy. But in the States, if you're not... If it's a union, don't pick it up. You're not allowed to. Mm. You know, if you're an actor and you go, well, I'm just sitting around waiting. I go, I'll go help the crew. Like, no, 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 no. You're not paid for that. No. You're not a part of their union. In the States, you can't even... If you're a gaffer, um, you can't even... Like, you can set up the lights. You can't plug them in. The electrician needs to plug that's them right. in. That's right. It's it's all yeah. segregated. Yeah. So, that's all based off status. Mm. It's a status thing. So, when people argue about, well, we should have a hero mentality, just understand, by having a hero mentality has a, a residual effect on the workforce. Mm. They're different workforces. Mm. They're more classist in nature. So, tall poppy syndrome... There's no classist nature. That's why it exists. Because mm. they're going, we're all the same. You, you, you can't be above because you are us. So you, where are you going? The only way that you can burst through that ceiling is to be so fucking spectacular that you're undeniable. Mm. That's the only way to do that in Australia. But it's hard, man. Like As you know, it's a house of cards. You need, like, well, you don't need, but it's good to have like a good cinematographer. It's mm. great to have good lighting. It's spectacular to have good sound. And it's, fucking wonderful to have a great cast or whatever i've been lucky to always have a great cast yeah oh, but um but you know they unfortunately if you want marketability and such you also sort of need a cast that does have some star power and all that sort of thing and that can be difficult yeah it's itself. profile you've got you to know? get that profile Profile, right? yeah yeah but, you got to get that profile yeah but with that said you know we're, we're in that bandwidth where um um uh, the weight of the world has crushed our spirits and we are just passionate about what we do yeah yeah um, we're not a blue flamer, right? We do good things. We make good products. Mm. It's undeniable. It's award-winning. Um, it has views on it has views online. Mm. Um, we're undeniable in that respect. But um, is it um, uh, in the stratosphere? No, it's not. It's not mm. in the stratosphere. You've got to be realist, right? It's not in the stratosphere. Are we making headway? Yeah, but we're a slow progression. Um, when we compare ourselves to those blue flamers, you're like, oh, shit, man. Not everything's like that. Mm. Um, the journey is different from er for everyone. Yeah. But as a practitioner, man, you, you've been selling your content for a long time. Mm. And you know that as you're getting older, you're selling it for a higher price. It's hard, man, though. But I, you are, though. Yeah. Yeah, we're all selling it at a higher price, but it takes time. It does. It does. Uh, the thing is, like, um, I'm jumping from being a... Because I've always been a director. I've always been a writer and director. But jumping from being a sound recordist... Mm. specifically or whatever to just being a director has been very difficult because mm. people keep you in these boxes and such and don't get me wrong they want to help you they want to make sure you get paid and you can live and pay the bills and such um but at the same time like there's it's it's kind of hard to shed that it's kind of hard to shed that i've never met another i've never met a set another sound recorders that's trying to be a director i've met some sound recorders that'll be fantastic producers i've mm. met another actually i've met one other sound uh Sandy, that has been a director and all that mm. sort of stuff, but that's not his main play. He just, you know, um, he does what he has to do. He has his workhorse, and mm. then he has his unicorns. He'll make his movie, 
your short film or whatever. Yeah. I, that's not my own terminology as well. I, that's <laughs> this wonderful film practitioner called Monica Davidson, the workhorse. Oh, Monica Davidson, man. Yeah. I know Monica very well. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, she uh, runs a company called uh, Creative Plus Business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she taught me the other week, actually, but I actually... I was in a like little metro screen screen TAFE course from her with her. You were a metro like screen. You're a metro screen guy. 2009, sorry, yeah. But this is the crazy thing. Oh, I was well, actually I was too TVS, young. I was a TVS guy. There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I was a bit before that. Like, oh, sorry, a bit oh, after that. I guess TVS. No, no, no be, TVS existed until no, no, 2016, you be, right? You're before me because I was like later generation TVS, but we were interlinked oh. with Metro. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't actually Holy attend shit. a Metro screen. It That's was like a, little, like a little thing. But yeah, she taught me like uh, back in 2009, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. But very cool. Very, very, very talented, you know, filmmaker. Oh, I said to you off her before um, about being an unapologetic uh, capitalist. Mm-mm. That's her... Saying well, that that's an interesting way to put it because you put it behind uh, the way like um, workhorses and unicorns and mm. such, and you've got to you've got to learn to love your unicorns. Sorry, you do. learn to love your your workhorses. I mean, yeah, well, it's it, it, yeah. Um, she just perhaps described it as unicorns to you, but she, to me, she describes it as a Corvette. She goes, Ross, you have a Corvette, and that Corvette is called Main the West. You need to rebrand that Main the West so you can create content, and be an agency. Because mm. your brand, the brand that you built over the last ten years. People try to do that in a year and it's not achievable. What you've done organically is you have this very expensive brand mm. and if you leverage your talent inside that brand, you can sell content. Mm. And you know what she was? She was totally correct. Um, I've got a lot of time for Monica Day. Big shout out, Monica, if you're listening. Oh, she's fantastic. And a big plug to her, her business, Creative Plus Business. She's a great advisor mm. um, uh, and a good um, artist business advisor. She mm. is a wealth of knowledge. Mm, mm. Um, I, I can't praise that woman enough. She has made me feel better about me being me. She, she reminded me um, the hardest thing as an artist is to identify yourself as an artist. Mm. Just say the words, I am an artist one thing that hardest she, thing to say absolutely one thing that she said um was because especially people from working class backgrounds you will get some sort of flack I'm, i've been pretty you lucky will. that i've had a relatively supportive yeah same family and friend base but um you will get pushback like get a real job and such and i think the reply that she has to that which i thought was absolutely like amazing was why would i get a real job when i'm already running a business yeah that's fucking spectacular because we all are yeah oh man look i've i've um i've I've been from contract to contract Mm. um there's been a moment where um i quit a job because i just couldn't handle those people anymore they're not the same thinkers Mm. and you know what i'm talking about oh yeah 100 percent. there's different workplaces where you go we're all artists that are struggling we all work together there's other workplaces that go, well, this is it. Mm. This is, it's, it's like the, those two people you described before. Um, I went through this, so that you you have to go through this. Mm. Or there's those that go, well, no, this is shit. You don't want to do that. Just learn the lesson. I'll tell you the lesson mm. and you can get past it and then you can advance further. Mm. Um, there's industries that I've worked in, especially I'm not having a big bag about it, but TV a little bit. Film, film is a bit more forgiving. TV are a bit... Uh, Depends who you work for. Anyway, I'm going to get right into that. Um, uh, lost me train of thought. That's all right. Um, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about. Um, we were talking about Monica Davison. <laughs> we were talking about oh. the workhorses. We're oh yeah, about, yeah, the Corvette. Getting the Corvette, Corvette. out, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, she reminded me of um, being an artist and and identifying as that and not apologising for it. Mm. 
um, and realizing that you don't specialize. Like it's ironic that you, for me in this this podcast, because you're talking about, well, I wanted to be a sound engineer, I wanted to do these things in film, because you're a muso. Mm. I got into film wanting to do foley. Mm. That's how I got into film. The only reason I directed a movie because I was in a classroom with filmmakers and no one else put their hand up to direct a movie. Mm. And I, like, if you got, all right, I'll do it. No, no one else is going to put their hand up. I'll do it. And I directed a movie and I fell in love. Mm. Literally fell in love with filmmaking. The same way that I fell in love with music when I did my first like solid vocal line mm. where you go, oh man, I cannot not do this. I have to do this. It's unavoidable. Um, and it's the same when you act on screen or direct screen or shoot a film as well, being behind a camera. Um, doing those things and, and being abreast of that takes time. Oh, yeah. And when you get to a point, you have to be unapologetic about it. Because when you first do your first gigs, there's gigs that you got paid for that made sense. Mm. But there's gigs that you did that you go, oh, I got a bit overpaid for that. That wasn't worth any money because I didn't really do my job. I tried, mm. but I didn't really do my job there. You're like, ah, oh, it sucks. It's yeah. Like, it's a bombing feeling. I don't like that. So you learn more. You, you try to learn more. And then it comes to a point where you go, I'm actually solving all the problems on this set. How come I'm the lowest fucking pay? Mm. I should be running this thing. And then you realize, no, uh, this is who I am, man. This is it. Like, don't apologize for it. Um, this is my price. And if you say no, that's okay. Because mm. I even dealing with bands, I, I would go up to bands and go, man, I can do a thousand dollar shoot for you, but I'm going to do it for three hundred bucks because I need the training. Mm. I go three hundred bucks. The venue does an eighty dollar webcam, <laughs> like, but I'm offering you a three camera shoot of your live event. You know, and you're saying I'm going to pay eighty dollars for a webcam, and you're going to post that online. Okay, mm. okay. Which, to be honest, like, unfortunately, not many people are going to watch that. They're not going to sit through one angle. No, you, know? you need to. And when I edit, you, know, you do a multicam edit. Mm. Um, it's as if you were there live. So these cameras here, man, that I'm shooting this with, I've shot plenty of bands with it, man. When you get those three, you, you've got the two guys up the front capturing guitars and you've got the safety at the back. Mm. When you start getting that and you put it into a live camera edit and you're listening to the music, you're now cutting ear to eye, right? Mm. Doing that ear to eye cutting. You can only learn that through experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can only learn it through experience. And you shouldn't, like, we sell ourselves short, I think is where I'm going. Mm. We go, oh, I'm so hungry for work and it's such a famine. If I don't eat, I'm going to die. But there was this one moment, man, where I was contract to contract. That's where I was going. I was contract to contract and I quit this job and I didn't get any gigs for three months. Mm. So I exhausted my savings. I had a rent check due and I'm looking at a phone going, I'm going to call the old man and ask for a loan. Mm. After, as a, as a, you know, 37 year old man, you know, I, I, I failed. I fucking failed. And I put the phone down, like, no, just have a think about it, man. Have a think. And the phone started ringing. Phone's ringing. Picked it up, and it's me, mate, going, man, are you available to shoot a documentary? <laughs> I'm willing to pay up front. There you go. Serendipity. Right fucking there. Love At it. the brink. I was ready to fucking say, mm. fuck this. I'm out. I tried. I gave it an honest fucking hard go. Mm. And I fucking lost. And I, 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 be I, I begged with the universal line. Oh, I've got I to suck it up, man. I need to pay this rent. No, I'm not, I'm not ready to make that call. I'm mm. ready. There you go. I just love that. And uh, 
that was a lesson in the universe for me. Like, um, don't give up. Mm. Don't give up, man. You don't know when the phone's going to ring. And if you do the right thing, if you, if you are admirable and authentic and real, um, celebrate your uh, skill sets, admit your shortfalls, mm. you will pretty much do okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And eventually, you'll excel. Mm. Um, uh, now I, I have a problem with the phone rings. I go, oh, fuck, do I have time mm. for this booking? Mm. Uh, I had a choice. There's other ones where I go, shit, man, I've got two offers on the same day. Yeah. Then you go, is it about money or location? All right, so this guy's paying a third more, but I've got to drive four hours to get it. Take the other one. Because it's four hours less of my time. It's mm. not the money, it's the convenience. Yeah. Mm. When you're making decisions like that, you go, shit, man, I haven't got launched my website yet. I haven't even launched the website. You've got to launch your website, man. It's the best fucking calling card. But I get... Oh, several websites, but not the website. Yeah. I haven't launched the website. You've it's got coming launch, out soon, kids. Launch the website, I swear. But, um, I'm building it. I'm building it. it, it <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like, the, the, with the way I approach or whatever uh, paid gigs mm. is such as, like, it's kind of like a first in best dressed. But I'll tell you what, when that first gig cancels and I've had other offers in the background, I'm... I'm absolutely pissed. And that's happened a lot. All of 20... Not all of 2021. But most of 2021 was like mm. all of that. Yeah, and cancellations. That kind of annoying. I went like more than three months, dare I say, without a gig. Oh, And dude. that wasn't because I was bad at what I did. I was good at what I did. The thing is, it's just that they... just Whatever the money, money fell, fell through, out the bottom, yeah. money fell out the bottom, or there was weather, or there was COVID, or there was producers because producers do their fucking thing. Yeah, someone and, got fired and they go, I "Don't like that project." Yeah, and and then that that just unfortunately didn't happen. And like that's that was the point when I started. Qu- well, I wanted to quit. Where I was like, "This is just too fucking unstable." Like I I understand the allure of a nine to five job, but at the same time, would I be happy? Yeah, would you be happy? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not fucking happy now. <laughs> I'm still, oh, dude, I'm still working on my escape plan. I'm yeah. still working on it. Oh, we'll get there at some point. You yeah, know? man, look, I'm serious as a heart attack, though, man. Mm. It's not impossible to achieve escape velocity. We can do it. Can you define that, escape velocity? Yeah, where you don't have to answer anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm just doing this project, and it makes money or it doesn't because I own the house. Mm. Okay. You know, I don't... Look, I, you know, if I can get to a position where I'm only paying rates, where I go, I need $6,000 a year because mm. I own everything. I, go, I could do anything then. You know, that's that's where I want to get. Escape velocity where I don't have to answer and take the job that I don't. Like, I, I, I must say, like, there's two clients that I had in the last five years and they contacted me in the last two. And I just said, I tripled the quote because they were just hard to deal with. Mm. Super hard to deal with. Triple the time, a third of the money. And you're like, actually, no, I don't, I don't want the job. Mm. You're, you're a pain in the ass. Um, uh, this is the cost. And uh, there was one of the clients, they go, yeah, I'll take it. Like, they, I, said, okay, I tripled the quote. They came back three months later, I go, I'll take, I'll take the deal. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you have to fucking work with you again. Mm. Um, but, you know, you, you make them learn. So there's a, I know this sounds terrible, but you've got to have a bit of ego in that space. Um there's 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 time where ego needs to be switched on, and there's time where humbleness needs to reign. Mm. And and the, the the surfing the wave is the deal. It's about surfing the wave, reading the wave. When to be egotistical? When to go? I'm just going to bomb in and be the best, or going? No, I man, I just need to be harmonious with my surroundings and get along with the environment. Mm. You know, mm. there's times where you need to change the environment. There's times where you need to adapt to the environment. Mm. And the assessment of that is the art. Mm. The assessment of that's the art. 
Um, but yeah, saying no to clients has been some of the best best joys of my last three years. But I, I, to get, actually, I've got a bit of a hack for you actually mm. about that because you're saying uh, clients cancelling on you. When I book a client and I think that they are volatile, where you go, they're going to cancel on me. I go to book me. I need a third of the cost right now today because mm. uh, I'm a busy man. I go, oh, we have to get back to you. You can get back to me. But if you want to book me, uh, you need to give me a third of the, the cost of this uh, deal right now. That's a good hack, actually. Yeah. I'll have to take that on board. I think I've had it's that fair. Sort of thing. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. It's totally fair. Mm. Yeah. Because oh, if I book you, it's kind of like a tattoo artist, right? Mm. If you went to a tattooist and go, I'm gonna, I want this whole sleeve done, and then you ring him the, the day, day of and say you don't want it anymore. Actually, uh, I changed my mind. They've lost five hours of work. They've lost five hours of work. Yeah. And in and, and, and that five hours, you go, it's, not, it's more than that five hours because mm. then they designed it. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean there's more background to just the application of your art mm. there's, the, there's the organization of the of the capture point you know so there's more into it than that like and, and, and clients can be terrible they can be absolutely terrible they go oh, I'm just going to cancel this or revisions are the worst for me I fucking hate revisions because mm. they go alright so the deal is we're going to paint your house white and they go yep okay so you don't want to be painted any other color just white I go yep I paint the white house and deliver the white house. I go, the house has been painted white. You owe me X amount of money. They go, but what if we put a pink strip around the whole thing? You know, that's not what you quoted, man. Drives me nuts. Yeah. That's it. You, but you, do you have a clause where you have like two revisions or three revisions and then they have to pay extra? I actually put an extra clause in. Mm-hmm. So I do put that clause in. Mm-hmm. But the other clause I put in is change of concept. Yeah. Put in a change of concept clause. So um, the way uh, um, I need to look at it, but the way to uh, word that is, this is the brief. Mm-hmm. If you exercise outside of that brief, you are now changing the brief, mm. which will require another engagement, which is a fee, mm-hmm. and then the reacquiring of that content after that brief. Mm. They go, oh, I'm not going to pay for that. Great. So let's remain. <laughs> <laughs> Tough tits. With the same brief that we agreed yeah. on. Mm. So, and that's what, that's why I say, I use the word avatar. Mm. I go, the movie Avatar. Cost, you know, how many, how many million people made that fucking movie, right? They have this expectation. And I forgive them for this expectation because content in Australia in particular is free. If you mm. look for content hard enough, it's free. We're surrounded by image. We're surrounded by streaming services. Um, you can watch um, The Mandalorian at $50 million an episode in half an hour while you're eating noodles on the couch. Mm. I get it. Mm. <laughs> but if you want me to make a, a content for your company that you go, well, my company's worth um, $800,000 and out of this, I'm going to make $200,000. You go, well, my share of that is twenty. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> That's I the deal. That. I get that. I know, like, I know some soundies or whatever that do approach that because if it's an ad as well, they're going to be commercial making, use. Yeah. It's commercial use, man. Yeah. And you want my skill set? Mm. Um, my skill set. Um, yeah, I've got a uni degree to get it. Yeah, we can equate a, a cost to that. We can equate a cost to that. Um, everything that I did outside of university while investing my and myself as an ABN, becoming proprietary limited, mm-hmm. um, to acquire my network to acquire um, my losses and failures over every job that I've ever done mm. is worth this much an hour. Mm. Period. Mm. I'm not apologizing for it. That's good. One, as I get older, my profile rises. So does that cost. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's he, nuts and bolts. Here's like, so I'm stepping into that little bit, but here's a little piece of advice. Mm. Uh, a good friend of mine 
uh, Brendan Blacklock. Shout out, Brendan. Hope you're doing well. Um, he gave me was that uh, you, the busier you are, the more that you're wanted and such as well. Yeah, so, demand. Yeah, demand. Yeah, yeah, demand. Yeah, uh, demand's never, interesting. Never thought about that, actually. Like, you wouldn't think that, you know, like, you'd think, oh, I won't bother him. It's the adverse effect. Adverse effect. Uh, adverse effect. Adverse Too effect. many beers right Too many now. beers. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in with you. Let me pour some more beer All in right, there for why you. why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, don't forget the uh, power of no. Mm. The power of no. Like, um, don't be afraid to say no, kids. Mm. That's not to my standards. Sorry. No. You'll be surprised how much you will get counter, uh, uh, counter offered by saying the word no. Mm. Um, what's your day rate? That's that is the question I love. Day rate. You go, oh, it depends on what it is. Average $1,000. $1,000 a day. Uh, if you want editing services, $500 a day. Uh, if it's if we're doing keyframing, we're talking $1,000 a day. Mm-hmm. What do you want? It's, that's the range, bro. Oh, I just need a uh, one-person interview. So you need a one-camera shoot. Oh, no, I'd like it from two angles. So you need a two-camera shoot. <laughs> so I need to. If bring... you're charging thousand dollars a day, man, that's undercharging for a DP rate. Oh no, but that's 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 just talk. I'm just talking to okay. you. We haven't even talked about the product yet. All right, just all right. I'm just setting your expectation. Cool. Me showing up one camera, one one interview. You know, one camera shoot. Um, it takes me four hours. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for a thousand bucks. Easy. <laughs> Love it. No, okay. but it is. It is. But you go, well, I know I want a two-camera shoot and I need an audio operator and I need you to produce the content. I need you to write the script. Mm, that's when the numbers start fucking adding up. Oh, well, we're, we're, now you're looking at $2,500, bro. Mm. Which Even kinda, that's cutting it pretty, yeah. No, but it is. No, but then it depends on the short. product. Mm. If we're doing a three-day shoot and you want a five-minute film, you got, you're going to need ten grand, bro. Mm. You're going to need ten grand. That's it. Mm. Oh, I, haven't even, I haven't even extrapolated yet. You need ten. That's it. You want you want that film? It's ten, and that's basement. Mm. We're at the basement. We're not even in the project yet. Mm, you know. Mm. So if you get to that mentality, like I say, it, so, it sounds like uh, selling short. So you just say the word a thousand dollars. They go, <gasps> right? But if you're talking to a corporation, they go, what kind of thousand are we talking about? <laughs> Am I going to get this cheaper? Right? You've already either which way you got their attention. Either which way you've set an expectation. Mm-hmm. And you've got an attention. But then you start to nut out the quote. Mm. Nutting out quotes is very interesting. People that sell themselves under is amazing. Mm. As a, someone that's an agent that does this for people, like you'd be amazed what they take. I, I come back with them with a the price. Mm. They'd be like, how did you get that? I go, is it fair? They go, yeah, it's totally fair. I go, that's why you've got it. Because I'm getting a commission, by the way. Mm. Like, like the business is getting commissioned. Mm. In fact, I'm working on the project as well, so I'm getting paid on the project too. Mm. So I'm looked after. Don't worry about me. But if you're okay, then then it's okay, right? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, definitely um, negotiating uh, with industry is interesting. I find it's kind of like what you said before. There's two kind of people: mm. um, the ones that go, "Surely you want to work with us for the exposure." <laughs> Um, I don't think you see the value of what we're offering. <laughs> I'm offering you international, clean cut, um, pristine content that you can aggregate from mm. for a couple of years, and you're saying that you want me to do this for free. Mm. Interesting argument because you have a brand. I don't know if you checked out, man. We got a brand too. 
Mm. And uh, looking at Reese, yeah, you're a bigger you're a bigger fish than us, no doubt about it, no doubt. But uh, what you're trying to tick a box in is not going to work for you unless you hire us. Like, I'm not going to mention them. There was one organisation they said we've got fifty thousand dollars, man, fifty thousand dollars to invest in uh, Western Sydney content. You go, great, that sounds awesome. I've got content providers. We can actually do a behind the scenes video. Do an on-scene uh, capture of the event. Do a promotional video. Sell the content to the... No, 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 no. That's not what we were intending. I'm like, well, why'd you get the 50 grand for? Like, oh, we've got to pay for the venue. Are you telling me? Oh, no. <laughs> that the venue costs $50,000? Because I know every venue in town, mate. And I... We, we, what are you doing at a... Home State Theatre or something yeah, like that? Doing what, is that? What, is, what is that? What is that? What is that? You're like, oh, well, we've got to pay our staff. And we're like... Guess what, Sunshine? I've got to pay my staff too. Jeez. And not to mention, we haven't even talked about the content yet. The audacity, I swear. But the other side, though, I run into other organisations going, "Um, can we broker a deal? I know that this thing is valuable, but Mm. we want to get a discount because we don't have a big budget. Mm. Yeah, we can do a deal, but we'll do one deal, but then our next deal has to be a little bit better, yeah. Mm, mm. Let's do an introduction so that we can understand that we like each other. I get that. Mm, mm. But there's other deals at Sharp. We go, man, we got all the money in the world. Uh, name your price. And we're like, great. Love you. In love. Amazing. Uh, let's pay these guys and then ring them up. Uh, I had this, uh, we had this film last uh, We had to do four films last year. And I ring up these filmmakers. And they go, all right, so what's the budget? I go, this is the budget. They go, is that for all four films? I'm like, no, nah, man. Oh. Just that film. They're yep. like, I'm in. I'm like, you haven't even checked the calendar. No, no, no. I'm in. I'm like, that's what you want. That's what you want. Because mm. that cash injection, all of those four dudes and ladies that made those films all put that money into their feature. Mm, mm. All of them. And then they're going to go show that feature. That feature's going to get venue money. That feature's going to get ticket money. Mm. That feature's going to get uh, royalty money. Mm. That feature's going to get actors paid, a cinematographer paid, a sound design guy, an editor paid, a foley artist paid. Everyone's getting fucking paid. Absolutely. And that's the key. If you want to invoke change, you have to inject cash. Mm. It's just that simple. Capitalism. What was it? What did you say before? Capitalism on drugs or something like oh, that? No. What was it? <laughs> something like that. Oh no! Was, uh, don't be don't be a ruthless capitalist. Is what I was saying off air before. Like mm. be an unapologetic capitalist. You know, go. This is my art. And I'm, this is my hourly rate. This is how much I'm worth. If you don't want to pay for me, go and get someone else. Easy deal. Mm. But don't fuck over your fellow man mm. and your fellow ladies, man. Just go, hey, man, we can work together. Like, mm. you know, if someone comes to me and goes, uh, I need a music video director, I know I've got four people I can contact straight away. And you're on that list. Straight Thank up. Thank you. I go, man, I know, I know, I know four people that can do that. Mm. Um, what kind of style are you looking for? Oh, I need um, something that's uh, gritty and horror. I go, <laughs> got the guy. Two minutes, I'll have an answer for you. You know, bring him okay. up. And go, hey man, uh, do you want to make this? You go, yeah, great, absolutely. Put them in touch and then mediate that experience, man. And that's what we've got to do, man. We've got the metropolis coming in. We've got um, Western Sydney between Penrith and Liverpool is going to turn into a metropolis. Absolutely, you got the fucking airport coming in and all that sort of stuff, and also the uh, Parramatta being the second CBD. It's all coming out this way. Yeah, well, that's the second CBD, but we're in the third, third CBD where we are now. You'd say Penrith is third CBD. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. gonna. You wait fifteen years. Penrith is actually so fucking cool. Can I just put oh, that dude. out there? Like they. 
I don't know. They've quiet. got like the, it's it's actually relatively pretty out here. The like the, you know, there's shit that happens. They've got mm. cool like bars and restaurants and stuff like that. It is pretty cool. You know, I'll admit it. You know, I'm 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 not even afraid to say Penrith is pretty fucking dope. Man, I love Penrith, man. Yeah. Um, it is called the city of adventure. Uh, it's yeah. also on like right on the fucking Blue Mountains. As yeah, well. yeah. So yeah, well, from here, man. Uh, even yeah. from um, the ivory tower that I live in here, mm. like you know, I've got massive problems living in my ivory tower. It's all terrible. <laughs> but I overlook uh, the um, uh, the whole ridge line of the Blue Mountains. Mm. So I watch the lightning strikes that hit the mountains as they come in. Right. Yeah, damn. Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Um, but uh, City of Adventure, you can go indoor skydiving, Museum of Fire, mm-hmm. fire trucks if you're into it for the kids. But um, yeah, no, uh, the bars. Um, mm. Oh man, Holy Moly, right? Went to Holy Moly the other day. Um, and I, cause I went to Holy Moly in like Newtown. You're mm. like, it's totally compressed. You feel like shuffled in. Mm. You go to the Penrith one, man. You're like, man, this is insane. This is like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Fucking insane! I'm like, I'm gonna drop ass and go to this fucking pub. Man. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um, Steve O's birthday. Uh, this will be published by then. We'll have fun. Uh, but man, like, yeah, no, it's definitely on the grow. But this is just the the the, the threshold. Mm. We're at the threshold. Mm. When these businesses come in, they're gonna need content mm. for their businesses. Mm. They're going and the and the and the councils that show up are going to need uh, content bolstering their objectives. Mm. So you've got corporate, you've got government, and then you've got the arts organisations that are going to pop out of it. Mm-hmm. And we are the proto-mammals uh, of that space. If we don't take it, someone else will. They're already fucking trying They're to. trying. Mm. They are trying. Mm. But I tell you what, man, serious is heart attack. Um, I'm watching content that's coming out of this region that is not comparable. Mm. It's apples and oranges. Mm. Stuff that's coming out of Western Sydney. If you look at the artist ratio, one in four people in Western Sydney are making content of some kind. Mm. Of some kind. And uh, they're getting notoriety. And they, the, do you know why it's selling? I'll tell you why it's selling, man. Because it's authentic. It's real. Mm. It's not fabricated. It's not Fugazi. Mm. It's real. Right? And that's that's where you've got to lean into. Mm. Don't shy away from your haircut. Don't shy away from your your postcode. Don't shy away from your accent. Mm. Don't shy away from your ethnicity, your sexuality, or sexual preference. It's not fucking important. Mm. What's important is the content and the story that you're telling. Mm. That's Absolutely. The, that's the important part. Absolutely. If you get that down, you're good to go, man. Hey, man, like I, we've been on this for hours, man. We've got to get out of the show. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we've definitely got to get out of the show, man. Um, but um, where can we find you online, man? So I have, I have Instagram uh, page, yeah, Luke Aegis Director. So mm-hmm. you can check me out on uh, at Luke Aegis Director. Um, and yeah, and that's, uh, that's about it. About. I also have a website, uh, lukeaegis.com.au. So you mm-hmm. can check that out there if you guys any want any music videos and stuff like that made. Or uh, just reach out to me. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to sort of look into what you might have. Yeah, man, so. man. Yeah, I'm a storyteller and uh, a film practitioner. Mm-hmm. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank I really you for appreciate it. It's been a fucking awesome time. Man, this so, has been a yeah. fucking hoot, bro. This yeah. has been great. This has been great. All right. And guys, you've been watching The Pagey Train. And don't forget to uh, check us out on YouTube. That's right. If you're watching us on YouTube, 
YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And uh, hey, for uh, we're also on Spotify, Vision on Spotify. Um, and a big shout out to our um, uh, Spotify fans that are in Texas at the moment and Virginia. I don't know what guy, I don't know what you guys are on, but whatever you're smoking, you're enjoying the poetry train. <laughs> so keep watching and keep subscribing. Uh, but hey, if you're one of our avid listeners, you can go and check us out on iTunes or iHeartRadio. Basically, anywhere you can find podcasts. You guys have been watching The Pager Train, and we'll see you next time. Quick shout out to Jody. <laughs> man, that was a boss show. That was fucking awesome. Thank I you so much for being on. Uh, man, I'm just, yeah, smile ear to ear. This is very.